Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. In this podcast, I interview people from many different backgrounds who are following their passion and make a living from it. I ask questions about their background, career and the lessons they learned along the way. The goal is to expose yourself to as many different ideas and careers that exist and maybe something resonates with you and it's something that you want to pursue yourself. Well, I've been officially doing podcasting for over a year now and I absolutely love it. To mark this occasion, I've created a mashup of my favorite highlights from each episode. I've taken out short clips from all my past episodes starting from episode 1. All the guests are timestamped in the episode description. I'd like to thank everyone who keeps listening to these podcasts. It really means a lot to me and it keeps me motivated to keep producing new episodes. You guys are legends and I really, really appreciate it. As always, if you have any feedback or anything at all, just send me a message through Instagram or any other social media platform and I'd love to know what you think. If you're feeling particularly generous today and happen to have an Apple device, I'd be super grateful if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcasts. And that is literally the best way to support me right now and the podcast, and it would really mean the world to me. All that aside, thank you so much for tuning in today, and without further ado, please enjoy this mashup of the past episodes. Your old self. Um, interesting. Okay. Um, God, if that were any possible, wouldn't that be great? Um, to have 2020 vision and to go back and say, hey, get it together and <laughs> stop panicking. Um I guess I, I was a 20-year-old. I was full of angst and, and misdirection and not knowing which way to go and what path to be on and just total bewilderment. And I, I was that age in a time when there weren't many opportunities. There weren't the same number of uh, options. Um, when, I left, when I left school uh, in, in Dublin 100 years ago, um, one person that I'm 97 went to college in my, in my graduating year. Um, that was... That was the environment at the time. It was, it was very, very tough. Um, so the options are how, how I live, what, what kind of job I have, um, yeah. how do I get from from step one to step two, what is step two. Um, I think my, my advice to myself, going back now, would be um, find a way to, one, get out, uh, <laughs> but, but two, um, Get school, get school soon, and and do a, a STEM subject like study science, technology, engineering, math. Um, take one of those as as an undergrad, and because it really, as I, in in the various careers that I've had, um, the people who have been very successful and most adaptable tend to have had a a solid foundation in in math, technology, um, engineering, or, or science. It doesn't matter what subject it is. Um, they just they become very very adaptable and they can move from from different um, disciplines. Um, it wouldn't be unusual to see an engineer um, or or a person with a math background moving into finance and becoming a CFO of an organization, or to becoming a, a CIO leader of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you are a finance undergrad, for example, um, not putting down finance grads because we everybody has has their, has their own role, um, you're you're sort of um, on that track. For finance, accounting, or or um, the business track of of operations, whereas the the STEM 
um, subjects tend to give um, students the a, a baseline understanding of, of, of math and working out difficult problems. Mm-hmm. And those skills then create lateral thinking processes where later on in your career, whether you're managing people, you could be managing HR, it doesn't matter, no matter where you are, but you've still had a, a core underlying um, training and, and, and mindset that, that has figured out really difficult things to, um, to figure out. It, it it does if I do take something to heart or if something does upset me it mm. like very visibly upsets me like it's not just oh you could brush it off like other people will that have a more stable amount of like happiness I think I've got levels of like you know happiness that are just too much and then you kind of gotta you know balance it out somehow and it yeah. balances out by by being extra extra you know emotional in, in all scales you know so it's not not quite bipolar but like that sort of scale of flip you know by stay i'm pretty consistently happy all the time but i guess my secret oh i don't really have one i think i'm just i'm not one of those people that um that is very i suppose i'm not really that self-conscious i used to be a bit more and i kind of learned very quickly that self-consciousness is not the route you want to go down um, caring about what people think is, you know, it's, it's conducive to to being uh, more reserved, and not that being reserved is a bad thing. I'm just like, I like to be myself, and yeah, that's myself a is happy. And if I can't be happy because people, you know, will put me down if I if I do something silly, um, if I care about the fact that they put me down if I do something silly, then I'll never be myself and never be be consistently happy but i'm also fairly realistic in terms of like i'm not one of those people that looks at what i have and is ungrateful for it so i think uh, like if i if i had a secret my my whole kind of attitude towards material uh, material things and and being grateful for what i have like i i have to be grateful for how i'm here Mm. and that's straight up just I'm I, I'm grateful for how I'm here and how I got here. Now I have worked hard to eventually get to where I am. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that had I not have gotten here with some help, I might not be here at all. My life might be completely different. And it's the same with like you know, like just growing up, just not necessarily feeling ungrateful for the the things that you don't have it's being grateful for the things that you do even if it's the little things you know like i treasure the fact that i can wake up in the morning and have a shower every day you know i like the fact that i have a bed to go home to at night just the things that we take for granted i don't take for granted um and that's kind of my that's kind of why i tend to be happy because i don't let things that get other people down get them down Mm. i had a girlfriend that before that just could never be happy because she was always worried about the things that she didn't have and she was like she always wanted and never just realized that it was all there in the first place she just had to look and be grateful for what she did have instead of looking at everything and 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 feeling like she she wanted that because she didn't have it but i guess that kind of comes with like upbringing and stuff you know like (laughs) It's hard to, like, you know, if you come from a different background where you don't have 
maybe then you know at the end you want and when you come from a background where you do have then you might not want but that could be either way like that's not a that's not scientific yeah (laughs) don't take my word for that that's not (laughs) a i'm not saying that that's how it is i'm just saying that that's one of the things that could be could a contributor to people's attitudes towards the things that they that they that they think they want and that they that that upsets them when they don't have it yeah absolutely and have you always been like that like what kind of person were you in school um no i get like i don't know if i've always been like that it's kind of hard it's hard it's hard to know because i'd ne- i wouldn't have thought i wouldn't have been sitting in front of somebody trying to explain it in school do you know what i mean yeah so i, I guess in school i was i was definitely always happy i think i've been happy like you know practically my whole life <laughs> which is amazing yeah i don't think i've ever been really that unhappy mm. you know aside from depression and anxiety that was a I was unhappy then, but it was, you know, um, I think like when I was in school, I was probably, I don't know, like, I, I guess I didn't always, I didn't always look at things the same way. Like I would have probably cared more about material things when I was younger, you know. Um, but then again, I always not had them whenever I wanted them, but I had what I wanted, but not I wasn't like the type of kid that was just like asking for everything. I asked for some things and I got them, but I didn't, you know, ask for too much. Like some people do where they, you give and then they want and they want and they want, you know, Hmm. I wasn't like that. I was happy with my lot. I was happy to have certain things and they made, they, they, they were, they were good enough for me as opposed to being but I didn't consci- I did, that wasn't probably a conscious decision that was just I was happy with what I had by nature so just gratitude yeah like I was I was just chuffed being able to go outside and play like tip the can with, yeah. with friends play a bit of rounders in the park hmm. uh, bit, make connects connects was my thing man. <laughs> I built so much stuff with connects but like that was for me the fact that I had it my imagination could could build the rest of it i didn't need to have endless amounts of connects i needed to have enough to be able to build some stuff you know so for me i never thought about oh, i want the other ones i want more of the connects i want the newest thing i want this i want that i kind of like i would have gone more of a oh i have this and cool and you know i had some other things that for me was was happy days interesting you know? And what kind of helped you overcome depression or anxiety? Uh, being honest. The thing that I wasn't was honest. Just uh, honest with yourself? Honest with everybody. The, the, the reason I was so... I, I, I kind of got caught up is because I allowed myself to find, to go into a, a web of, of, of tangled lies because I kept... I let, like I kept telling people that I was doing well when I wasn't doing well. Hmm. And then I didn't seek help when I needed help. And I told everybody it was fine when I wasn't fine. And, you know, and then I wasn't eating. Um, you know, I was like, you know, you know, collapsing in work. I was having panic attacks in the, you know, in the street. I didn't say that to anybody. And then that just builds upon itself because you, you, you don't deal with it. You don't talk about it. You don't allow yourself to admit that something is wrong because I felt I'm, I'm better than this thing that's affecting me i can get over it because 
that's I, I can't let something like this affect me that's not right that's what American people do when they have all their psychologists and all their stuff and they you know they have all their different people that they see I'm powerful enough to do it myself and that's not the right attitude because the reality is you either need to take something like some sort of medication or you need to talk about it and be honest about it and allow people to know what your circumstances are so that they aren't constantly talking about the thing that is depressing you and making it worse because if they are constantly saying you're doing great when you're not doing great then it makes you not doing great worse because you feel like you have to live up to that expectation and that's why again having an expectation of yourself and not making it kind of like realistic and being like okay hold on that's not the way things are Mm. just puts you further into that hole just puts you deeper down and that's no bueno you don't want to be there because then it's hard to come back um my sister now my sister actually she got through it as well but she suffered with depression as well she but she ended up because of me she went and saw a doctor and went on to antidepressants and she managed to get through college but she had the same thing uh, she would she had the thing where she couldn't stop crying she would get a pain in her chest and i would get the same pain but it would make her cry and then she couldn't stop crying like it's so you you don't realize how how strong a, a like how powerful like a like a, that that a feeling is until it until it takes you and then you're like oh god okay this is actually a this is real you know this actually happens this is not something that people make up you know okay um i'd say don't limit yourself as in you know like i was saying earlier i was like oh i'm good at maths battle languages and then when i went away traveling um we're going to like central american stuff and learn spanish um and like I was way better at it than I ever thought I'd be like I still wasn't as good as my friend who was like a bit better with languages but like I never thought I could do that and I wouldn't have tried if it wasn't out of necessity so I think don't kind of put yourself in a box and I'm I'm sure people are similar about the whole technical soft skill thing they're like oh no I'm a technical person I'm not, I'm not good to talk to people or you know so don't you know even if that's true and you're very technical and you're not great at talking to people like you know with effort and with a bit of help and stuff you'll probably become like grand at talking to people and then that's fine for most jobs like you don't have to be a superstar and everything but I think not limiting yourself and not telling you know, people I think people tell those stories in their head they're like I'm good at this I'm bad at this and then therefore like they never try I always thought I was terrible at sport I was like oh, I'm just terrible at that and then a couple of years ago like I mean it was like 30 or something I started running as in jogging like I you know and it's not gonna ever gonna run a marathon ever gonna run a 10k I was actually like grand at it and I was like god all these years I just thought I was really bad and never tried because I thought I was bad at it and then it turns out I'm just like fine at it which most people are probably fine at most things so probably don't limit yourself and don't kind of cut yourself off from stuff just because you think you're not good at it um <laughs> uh, I think really listen to other people and learn from other people like you're not gonna know stuff when you start working or just in general in life and that's totally fine 
you know, you don't always have to agree with people. Um, but it's probably worth listening to people. Like you don't want to be going in all guns blazing. It's probably better to sit back a little bit, have a listen. Like don't be afraid to speak up and, um, you know, make your voice heard and all that. Like that's very important. But like do really listen to what other people are saying. Even if you like listen to what they're saying, think about it and then just disregard it if you don't agree but like actually do listen and even if you don't get on with the person have a listen to what they're saying they could still be wrong and that's totally fine but like you you know do just take the time to listen and think like a lot of people kind of you know in a discussion or even argument or whatever they're kind of just waiting for their turn to talk but you're kind of wasting a lot of information there so like do really listen to people and um, I suppose then the third one is like to look after yourself like things are life's hard you know and you know a lot of like most people or I don't know whatever the statistic is lots of people anyway are going to have trouble with mental health stuff over the course of their lives this kind of stuff happens to or you know other health problems this kind of stuff happens to everyone I think especially when you're starting out it can look like everyone's grand everyone's doing a great job I'm the only person who's not doesn't know what I want to do in my life or you know doesn't feel yeah also like when you start a job you I don't know every job I've ever started I felt terrible at for like six months or a year like no matter how good or bad I was like it doesn't like you're probably grand you know go to your manager get feedback all that kind of thing but like everyone I don't know what's the phrase like you're don't judge your insides based on other people's outsides like you're only seeing a select snapshot of other people's lives and other people are having problems too and everything so you know and get help if you need help like whether it's you know any kind of you know medical help or mental health help or like career help or talk to people but like most people are a lot less together than you think they are so don't try and kind of double down and uh work harder to fix the problem just you know most people are having a hard time as well so take it easy on yourself and look after yourself oh stress is so like stress is such a funny one isn't it you know, we live, as I said, so we live in this age of information. We're bombarded by so much. It's very hard to create a sense of self nowadays without feeling that you have to be someone or something or do something or something in a certain way at a certain time of the day and eat something, etc., etc. And with this, it naturally, like, you're, there's so much information coming at you. It's very, very hard to, like, like, like organize this in a, in a fashion that makes sense to you. And because... People are doing maybe maybe doing things they don't particularly enjoy, or they don't have the education or understanding to cope with that. Like stress is huge, you know. If you look behind, like what fascinates me most about about stress, before I kind of explain like uh, more into the mindfulness, is that stress is is very much at the at the core behind a lot of comorbidities that you see people having. Like why does someone smoke? Why what and why why might someone smoke? Why might someone be obese? Why might someone have an addiction? Why, uh, at the at the core of this, now it's totally multifaceted and multifactorial based on the, a very biopsychosocial approach based on how our biology works, how our psychology and thinking works, and how the environment that we're brought up in and our experience works. 
So I appreciate it's very multifaceted, but at the core for a lot of people it's stress. And what is stress really? It's a form of anxiety, a form of thinking. And where does anxiety come from? Anxiety comes from not having the answer to things. You know, it's it's overthinking. What's what what if? What if? What if? And that takes you back to that very primitive survival instinct of there is a situation that I don't know the outcome of. How can I uh, put myself in a way that I know the answer that puts me in a safe way? And translating that to everyone's life, you know, we have this in everyday life. Uh, there's always something on our mind, there's always something new we should be doing, there's always uh, a time checklist that we have to be following, or there's always an alarm that we need to like get up by. And from that, I very much realized that mindfulness or being mindful is the key to overcoming a form of um, being stressed. Now, thinking of mindfulness, I absolutely hate the word mindfulness. I genuinely hate the word mindfulness. It's very, I think, ambiguous. I think it's very unclear and waffy and very qualitative in the sense that it's hard to quantify what exactly this is. Um, and I hate that. So from that point of view, I knew that I knew that stress is very interesting and it relates to everything I enjoy doing and it affects everyone and everything. How can I solve that? Mindfulness is some form of key. Until I educated myself in what it is and I actually did a practitioner course in it, um, I didn't truly appreciate like what the term meant. So mindfulness or being mindful is having a non-judgmental acceptance of the thoughts that you may have in the present moment that you are in. And from that, it dilutes into, into um, forms of different forms of meditations, but uh, to center yourself. And also, you know, as you get further into the whole uh, persona and the whole um, concept and, li and living and being mindful, um, you know, you, there's different meditations from looking at yourself to like look to improve and grow. Um, but the, the core of mindfulness is to gather yourself to be present because if you can be present in the moment, if you can be present in the now, like right now, you're not worrying about the past, so you're not depressed. You're not, you're, you're not anxious about the future because you don't know what the answers are. You only have this moment right now. You know what you have right now. And if you can anchor yourself with that, from a neurological point of view, because I appreciate how the brain works and I understand how the brain works, if you can center yourself in that point of view, you can relax your amygdala, your primitive brain, so that your higher level brain can do the thinking for you. You can make more objective decision making. You're not putting yourself into a heightened state so that your body is reacting. You're using your brain and being that higher being that you know we all are. And mindfulness is truly the key I found for myself personally being a practitioner of it, being someone that wants to coach this, and I has been coaching this for a while. And for someone that wants to, I think, improve people's lives, you know, it's kind of very much the same of, like, why I went into OT. Like, why did I, uh, like, what do I want to do here? Like, you know, you want to give a form of yourself through your learning to benefit people. And improving someone's stress through a form of mindful practice or mindfulness, I mean, sounds pretty good to me. Oh, yes. I would be very, very definitive about this. I would say to you, or anybody, fella or girl, is if you believe in what you want to do, if you have a drive or an ambition, go for it. Don't be distracted. Don't let your colleagues or your friends, no matter how wacky your idea is, don't let them put you off. Just follow your dream, follow your instincts, um, if you 
if you do become or feel a bit distracted, think. Think about you, John, Paul, Mary, Jane, whatever your name is. What do I want to be? Where do I want to be in 10 years' time? And that's where you go. It was like my myself. I knew what I wanted. I had to make a few sacrifices. I had to make a need of myself. I had to do all different types of things. But eventually it did pay off. And it's very, very important not to be afraid to fail. You may fail, but you're not a failure. So get up again and go if it doesn't happen the first time. A few things. Uh, the first main thing is to be in like a good space, like as a human yourself, like so not be stressed, not be yeah, a good mental health. So like I find stuff like going to the gym, meditating, all those things I try to do every day, which aren't directly to do with music, but like definitely, definitely help for that getting in a flow state. Um, yeah, having good friends around you, like just that. I think most people live in a. I don't want to look down on anyone, but uh, but a lot of people can live in like a a life of constant kind of little bits of stress or anxiety. They're always a little bit worried or something. And I don't think you can ever really hit a flow state while you're worried about something or anxious or insecure or whatever it is. I can get insecure sometimes and that's something like I'd fight with even for music to try and not be insecure because I know that when you're feeling insecure, you can't calm down and just write music. So I think that's the the biggest one, 100% is, is you. And then just getting your your environment right you know making sure your phone's off it's you're you're calm you're you've eaten you know all, all the simple things there's no like magic to getting in the flow state and then the the hardest part is like the first 20 minutes of like because if you try to turn off and switch off your brain everything happens you know like you'll you remember 10 things you were meant to do that day 100 things you're meant to do tomorrow that you've forgotten about you know you're meant to text this person back you never text them oh they probably hate you now whatever <laughs> and uh and and it's really hard to not like yeah. come out of it but i think if you can get through that and having done it lots that helps it's like that's the big thing in meditation too is that people find it hard to to get into until they've done it lots and then they know it can work once you've seen the benefits or any sport or any exercise once you've felt a benefit it's very easy to even start at the start again if you've gotten cut out of it for a few months because you know that it can work so same for flow state like for, for a while i was like what's this daft thing i only did it because other, other people were doing it and said it was good but then after it, it's happened a lot to you then you can you can really value it supportive of, of you because you know you started making youtube videos like instagram stuff like that i'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy yeah. and you probably got a lot of uh, you know criticism for it yeah. uh, like what kind of helped you overcome that and you know i suppose man there's always uh, at the start especially i don't think anyone was particularly happy about it there was i was, I was never made feel really bad for what i was doing but you could tell there was just that vibe in the air where it was kind of expected i was going to college because i was seen as a very smart kid and i was a very smart kid and i definitely could have gone to a college if i had have yeah. wanted to go down that path um well some people might argue that <laughs> but um no they, they were supportive in general um i think at the beginning they really didn't understand it and especially when you see how much time i spend in my room just trying to teach myself how to edit trying to record videos etc etc especially my ma i don't think she understood it at the time my, they, they were always supportive but now i think they've seen what it's done for me and like i remember back when the instagram page was blown up and i collabed with blessing and they saw all the dms coming through they saw all all the potential money i could make from these clients they saw the fact that i reached over five hundred thousand accounts in the space of a week they saw the potential listing really had 
and that was around the time that there was a lot of shit going on in regards to changing jobs and money etc so i think they saw that i wasn't just taking the piss it wasn't just something i was picking up for a month or so it was something that i still genuinely am pursuing social media always has been important to me it's something i post on posting on two instagram pages daily right now i post youtube videos probably three days a week it's it's something that's still really important to me and it is something that i definitely see as being one of my biggest income sources in future and right now it is it's my main supplementary income source all of my coaching clients come from my uh, instagram posts you know at the start yeah it was definitely weird but right now they're as supportive as ever man they, they i don't think they'd ever second question anything i want to do right now they had my best interest at heart and i completely understand that and i don't hold anything against them for it i probably would have been in the same situation if it was something i didn't understand but uh yeah nowadays they support me no matter what it is yeah 100 percent. i really think it's important to have people around you who support what you do because like it's not always easy you know just to pick up a camera and just speak speak yeah. to you know who knows who yeah, and no, like man, like yeah. yeah i was like the first person as well not the first one the first person in our school etc would ever put up a picture of them speaking or whoever put up a story of them speaking to a camera whoever started putting up topless pictures and things like mm. that oh man it's easy to get fucking ridiculed for doing things like that and big message i suppose to anybody who's thinking about doing it is just fucking do it don't care about what anyone has to say so many people who would have taken the piss out of me back then have come to me and have paid me money for coaching for plans etc it just goes to show, man, a lot of people are small-minded. They don't see the vision, especially at that age. But a lot of these people do grow up and then respect kind of what you've done. I've had people who I would have strongly disliked in the past or who would have strongly disliked me in the past for various reasons, who I'm now friends with, would have trained with, and again, would have worked alongside. You know, So big piece of advice. If you want to just do something, fucking do it, man. What's the worst that's going to happen? Won't pay off. Bit of time wasted when you're 16, 17. Who cares? You're probably going to waste it all anyway. It's literally just the desire to want to provide a nice life for, like, my family. Whoever comes in the future, wife, kids, all that stuff. But more importantly, just kind of, like, for Mama Mullen. She sacrificed so much for me. That's the short version of it. I just always really have wanted to give back in that way. So that's been the always the main motivator. She makes zero excuses in her life. Like, zero doesn't matter what is happening. I've never heard that woman complain a single day or a single moment in her life. So every time I feel like I want to complain about something, I, I physically cannot. Like, I can't. It doesn't matter what it is. Even when I hear it, it, it bugs me. So it's that's the main thing. It's just kind of like, that's the main motivator. No matter what I'm actually doing, I always just go back to that. I don't know if you know what's his name um eric thomas do you know the motivational speaker yeah, yeah. basically eric thomas and he i was li- it literally all started from like he kind of like contextualized it for me it's like what is your why that's mainly it so your why has to be greater than your reason to quit so if you go to your why so every time you want to quit you go to that and that's going to be like the oh shit okay no i can't every time you're like i want to quit oh you remember it you're just looking it over your shoulder it's like that little angel or devil on your shoulder every time you want to quit you look you're like okay shit no i actually can't like i have to keep going so that's the main that'd be my main motivation where it comes from that's like very deep rooted hey one um this isn't really like a mindset thing it's a practical thing nobody nobody is unreachable nobody's unreachable so the first one would be reach out to anybody you don't think you can reach like you look at them you're like i can't reach them bombard them bombard them like don't stop you'll get a reply like you will get a reply um don't stop if you like if you stop 
you've already failed. Like you've already, you're not going to get a reply from somebody. So uh, reach out to people. Uh, two, you, as I touched on earlier, you've got to invest in yourself. You've got to invest in yourself way more than you invest in other people. And you doing so will paradoxically make sure you invest in other people more. Um, and the third one would be to have on, like, okay, well, be unapologetically you. Because everybody else is taken. I'm sure you relate to that. So just be unapologetically you 100% of the time and don't stop things. Like I think I, like I'm a firm believer in things just come to us and flow to us. And sometimes we, we put like barriers on ourselves and stop like a filter almost and stop us saying it. Like I think Aslan used to say with their music, it's like it flowed through them and they used to write it down. You know, sometimes you'd think about it and it would stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. So just whenever you get thought or like something comes to your head, just let it flow through you and there'll be a barrier to that and be unapologetically you. So if you get an urge to jump up, like I, I do this a lot, like when we're, when we're just walk, out for a walk with my friends, I get an urge to do a cartwheel. I do the fucking cartwheel. And they're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I, I don't know, man, that just had to happen. That just had to happen. So I'll go and do the fucking cartwheel. So practical, do the fucking cartwheel. If you get an urge to do something and it's just fucking do it, just go for it, you know, because yeah. you're going to regret not doing it. And what's the, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know what I mean? Um, so I feel like. Yeah, that would be my three lessons. If I could sum it up. In in the yeah in the, in the morning, first thing I'll do is is, is I'll list out what my uh, objectives are um, for the day, what 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 um, needs to be hurried over, and then how I'm going to implement them. Um, so I need to do I will do everything by a weighted score, and then you know hit the hardest stuff first, and then you know based on your performance take another project and then something more difficult later on and something easy it's it's very much i i I like to have a very focused and disciplined mindset Uh, because then i don't get panicked i don't get flustered i very much so very much so but it's also being able to have the adaptability to um, learn when things are outside of your con- when things are outside of your control why they are so that you're you don't get um, uh, pressured into making the wrong decision um, things like patience discipline um, all really really good skills but you have to do that all with uh, with a smile well I like to think that I do with a smile on my face and I still have that passion and enthusiasm yeah. I hope that's come across in this interview but I thankfully think that um it, it you look at the end goal and you you go home and um I don't want to compare myself to the people of the professions but you're they're going that was a tough day or that has, that that meeting didn't go well but at the end of the day you're making healthcare products for people like i i always have huge huge admiration for people who are frontline um, people, in my opinion, by frontline I mean teachers, guards, doctors, um, nurses, firefighters. Like I won't be any of those things, but if I can, you know, help in a, in a secondary way, give the tools to those people to do their jobs properly, like doctors, like nurses, like clinicians, then that's that's, that's pretty fantastic. That's that's that that gives me quite a good bit of contentment, and also it's it's an ever changing world. Um, in terms of how rapid our technology is going. Now you look at things in healthcare like surgeons who will pretty soon be able to do virtual surgeries to over Wi-Fi networks. And we start getting into more um, advanced uh, drug therapies and treatments. Um, there is more medical knowledge in my phone 
for what my um, heart rate, blood rate, glucose level, everything is now than there has ever been previously compared to what my parents, my grandparents' generation have. So what will be there tomorrow? It's around understanding people. I'm guilty of this. I have been guilty of this. I'll be guilty of it again. But constantly, I think a lot of the challenges with... Um, then like a lot of negative stuff going on in the world and there's tons of negative stuff loads of positive stuff but like there's a lot of negative stuff as well and we've a long way to go is that people don't understand their backgrounds and I, and I think sometimes people are unwilling to see other, other people's side of the story um, they just go off and we're this and you're that and I don't want anything to do with you that type of thing and I think it's probably the, I don't think that brings people closer together I think it's I think um, I think a good example of this is probably what happened in Northern Ireland and I'm not actually overly familiar with like the actual details but like I think Bill Clinton has been um, for all his uh, all the negative stuff that he, <laughs> he's been associated with some of the positive stuff he talked to both parties in that situation my understanding is and but by him talking to them realised that they both wanted to talk to each other but they couldn't be seen to be talking to each other because that was that would have gone against their um, the backing of their their own people and what their people wanted um, but that brought about the Good Friday Agreement, um, and that's seen as, um, I suppose that's seen as kind of a, I don't know, a guide, blueprint of how to do that, how to reconcile that kind of stuff. Um, and that's had its issues, but like compared to where we were in the 70s, 80s, um, like Northern Ireland's, like it's a great place to be. Um, so um, I think, yeah, to, for people to try and be able to see other people's side of the story and why you think, think like that and things are going to change, generations change, whatever you think today is going to be different in 50 years or 100 years or might not even matter, you know what I mean? But um, right now, I think it's for you because um, otherwise you just be frustrated and you might hate people and things like that. And yeah. You should you shouldn't. You should just understand where they're coming from, their perspective on things. Like Everyone has a right to, like I think, to an opinion and they believe things for, for whatever reason, whether it's their religion or whatever it is, but... Um, whatever that background is or nationality but um, yeah just maybe more about understanding people um. so the things that helped me get over what I was facing was just literally listening to people like you know like when you're going through something like that and everyone knows that you're going through something like that everyone has an opinion whether it be right or wrong but if you're blocking those opinions out the whole time you're getting nowhere because you're just telling yourself what you want to hear so it was when I started listening to my to to like my family, my friends, and what I should be doing. That's when I started overcoming stuff. Like even when I was in the hospital, like whether it was the doctors or the nurses are telling me what to do, I said, "Right now is the time to just start listening if you want to get better and just listen to people." Like people, like you know, today, there's a misconception that people are out to get you. Like they they only care about themselves. If you have people around you that care about you, they're always going to want the best for you. They will, simple as. And the difference is where do you choose to listen to that? And it might hurt sometimes where you think this option is not going in my favor. But if you go through it, I guarantee you, you'll come out 10 times better from it on the opposite side. So through listening to people, especially my family and friends, that's what helped me overcome this all, like that period of time and you know, I wouldn't be the person I am today without those opinions like so yeah 
So to excel in your career, I think there's two good useful tips I could give. So one of them is what I call the expert interview method, which is to find people two to three steps ahead of you in your career. And that two to three steps is very important because uh, I've given this advice to people before. I've taught courses where I've given this advice to people. And sometimes people will pick people who are wildly inappropriate <laughs> to get this advice from. So for instance, I remember um, one of our early students that we gave this advice to said, okay, I'm going to go out and talk to Tim Ferriss. Well, I don't know if you guys know who Tim Ferriss is, but he's, he's pretty famous as an author and blogger. And this guy was not even trying to be an author, or blogger, or podcaster. He was just trying to you know, I don't know what he was doing at that time, but he was like maybe a software engineer or something. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not the person to talk to. Tim Ferriss has no idea what you should be doing uh, with your career. The person that you should talk to is the person who has the career you want, that has the job that's just a couple steps ahead of you, that is a little bit advanced because they are close enough to you right now that they can offer you useful advice. And also because they've been through kind of the transition of where you are to where they are now. And you can often ask them either directly for advice of what things do you think I should get good at? What things should I focus on? But you can also talk to them and ask them what their career trajectory is. And that can give you hints about what skills are important. So if you talk to someone and you say, oh, yeah, well, first I was a manager at such and such for like six years. And then you can see, OK, what kinds of things did they get good at at that time? What kind of track record did they build? What kinds of uh, assets did they acquire in that time period in order for them to have that later success? And so I think mapping out what the career trajectory really looks like is sort of an essential process. And so for a lot of people they're just doing their job every day and just hoping for a promotion. Whereas I think if you really map out how does success work in your field, what are the things that are driving people up the ladder? What are things that are driving people to promotions and higher salaries? Um, and this is very specific to where you work. You know, I had a conversation with a guy who was working for Dell and he was saying that in Dell, um, at least in his department, the key metric that was driving promotions and, uh, and stuff was how much revenue you generated for the company. And he was saying that he talked to someone who was higher up and they said that the difference between someone getting this coveted position was that so-and-so had generated, let's say, you know, $3.2 million in sales and this other person had generated $3.4 And so the person who made 3.4 was the person who moved up. Now, this isn't to say that this is how it works in your field. It may not be that way, but just that until he went around and asked, until he had had these interviews and had these kinds of discussions with people, he wasn't aware that this is how they were framing success and how they were being evaluated. And so it's, it really does vary from profession. And so you need to figure out exactly how it works for your career and not just look at generalized principles of success like, what does Tim Ferriss think I should be doing with my career? Uh, and the second piece of advice I would have is just acquire more skills. So even if you're not sure exactly which skills you should acquire, there's probably a dozen or more things that are plausibly helpful. Things like, well, if I were good at this, this would probably be helpful. And I do think if you can have this expert interview method, you can narrow it down. But if you just get in your head the idea of constantly learning new things, constantly mastering new skills, constantly adding new adjacent tools to your toolkit, this will make you generally more useful, even if it's not clear exactly which ones are the best thing to learn right now. So ultra learning and this sort of philosophy of continuous learning, I think, is important regardless. I just think that you need to do your research and you need to really 
like knuckle down on like firstly the basics and then like the I don't know the skeletal system and, and all the muscles just everything like the normal things that you kind of need yeah. to know but just make sure that you're always trying to improve yourself as well on a daily or on a weekly whatever you're into but just making sure that you're just because the industry is changing all the time like every yeah. single day there's so much information like skinny gaz and all of his information like oh my god i just can't i actually bought one of i, I bought one of the books from skinny gaz a while ago i can't remember what it was called it was ages ago when i first seen him chat at the rob Lipset event um i can't remember what it is now but oh my god like it was it was like basically just knuckling down basic nutrition and stuff and a few things like that but the way they were like writing it it was like oh my god you know it was just so easy to understand but at the same time you felt really intelligent by reading it you know but um just literally just making sure that you're keeping on top of things um and don't 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 um get disheartened if say someone doesn't get results in like the first four weeks because there could be some hormonal imbalance there there could be something going on in work that is stressing them out causing them to gain weight or like maybe some people that just aren't even sticking to their plan so you know you can't beat yourself up you can't control what other people are doing so don't beat yourself up over that because you don't know what's going on behind the doors as well um but just you know if you love it just keep going with it you know never stop because you feel disheartened just if you know that it's making you happy on a daily just keep doing it you know I I absolutely adored the personal training it was so much fun I just think for the minute I want to focus on the lashes and then hopefully go back to doing something to do with personal training you know maybe maybe even open up my own little bitch as well I don't know we'll see we'll see we'll see question (laughs) sure Uh, well I mean you you have to be very persistent because you you can't ever you can't expect anything I think if you go into it with high expectations then you will be disappointed most of the time uh, because you need to be willing to to grind for a long time before you start getting anywhere i have a good friend um and he wanted to start this youtube channel and i told him you know just go for it if you're doing it in your free time why not and so he did and he made i think 500 600 videos and at the end of that he still didn't really have a following he still didn't really have any viewership on his videos Mm. and it's not necessarily because they were bad videos or that he was making bad content it's that i think nothing that he was doing differentiated himself from from everyone else so i think it's very important that you're willing to be persistent but you also you have to find something that that makes what you're doing special or different in a way um if you just see a a youtuber or a a, a twitch streamer and you say oh i want to be like them then i don't think that's good enough i think you have to bring something new to the table um with Twitch, it's perhaps a little different. I think, you know, if, you're, if you've got a good personality and you can entertain people, then, you know, that's something that's within you and something that you don't necessarily have to be completely original, but you've got to be creative enough to come up with your own material. Um, and, you know, in that case, some people are very natural at that and some people are not. Um, when it comes to YouTube, it's a little different. Obviously, when it comes to, to uh, uploading videos, thousands and thousands of videos are uploaded every day if you want to be seen you've got to do something that's going to catch the eye and you've got to do something that's genuinely good quality um so yeah that's the really the challenge right like finding your niche uh finding something that um people are interested in and it's possible it's always possible um there's a lot of content that's that's coming out that's new 
that is fresh and and different and it's always possible to find it uh, you just have to find that thing that works for you hmm. uh, think about playing football and not jogging playing football and not jogging what do you mean by that so I got a piece of advice years and years and years ago and I was in the IMI and I was thinking about doing some more studying and one of the senior people there asked me he said how do you like to keep fit and I said I like to play football mm-hmm. he said well how does it feel you're playing football I said I could play football all day till I collapse I love football he says great what do you think about jogging and what do you hate doing what way do you hate keeping fit I said oh on a treadmill in a gym I said that would kill me and he said how does that feel I said well after five minutes I'm looking at my watch and it just absolutely kills me he said, well, what you need to do is you need to find whatever you're going to study. It needs to feel for you like the way you feel about playing football. And my advice to any young person coming out of college is find what it is that feels for you like playing football feels for me in terms of getting fit. If you can find what that thing is for you, honestly, that's the thing to do. And then be the absolute best there is at mm. it. And in terms of money, money will follow. If you're the best at doing whatever, anything, yeah, you'll have enough money, right? If you go the other way around and chase the money, then you'll be on a treadmill watching your watch your whole life. I like that. So you're saying find what it is that drives you or puts you on fire. And, Absolutely. And do that. And, 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 do and what would you say like uh, how would you how would you go about doing that like because it's not easy to do that it's okay. not easy to do well, that once you finish college well why isn't it easy because you don't know you never tried you're you're so, so try young. a few things try so a few you don't things. need the solution and this isn't this isn't a sprint yeah this is a marathon right so you try a few things don't mm. stick at one thing for too long don't stick too short either because you want to show a bit of commitment mm. but when you've done a couple of things or and don't wait till you're finished college to start trying out work. Right. One of the things with my own kids is to find work early. Right? So my son's just about to finish college. He's three years he's been working. And and he's he's had two different employers. Um and he's never stopped working. And he's learned more from that work than he will from college. But he knows now what work is. Mm. And so, so work should not start after college. It should, it should be all the way through during college. Um, and then ask yourself the simple question, right? Is what was the best thing you did? When were you absolutely at your best? What was that day? Right? And then when you think about that, well, how did you feel that day? Mm. What was it, right? And can you do more of that? Is there a way of having that day all the time? That's the thing. And for some people, that might be, you know, the day we won an award and we did this. And then why? What was it about it? Was it, you know, you led a team, you did something? Well, that's what, that's where, that's where you're looking for your passion. Mm. For, for me, it was actually one of the worst times when I had to deliver really bad news to the whole organization and I traveled around on my own and told most of the staff face to face mm. 
And I realised that I was good at this because I was honest and straightforward and people accepted and and I knew my I, I realised that my instincts were good. My people instincts were good and my instincts for delivering change and explaining things were good. And I realised actually that's what I need to do. Right? And whatever that is for you, right? Ask yourself. And then two years later, ask yourself that question again. And always strive to find what is that, what was that thing that, because if you're feeling that good about it, Mm. you'll be great at it. Yeah. And then fantastic jobs will find you. Money, fame, and fortune will all find you if that's what you want. I like that. Be very careful with money. You know, there's actually surprisingly little money that you actually need. The rest of it just tends to stack up and pass on to somebody else. Right? Um, you know, uh, a very rich guy I once knew um, gave me that advice, and he said, "He said, kid, you can only sleep on one bed at a time. The rest of it's a waste." You know, and it's easy to say, right? But there is a, there is truth in that. Don't don't get fixated by that. So that's what I would say to him. No, no, for me, it's definitely not around meditation. I think a lot of those, um, a lot of, there's an awful lot of people out there telling you that, you know, get your day right, get your head in the right space. I think one of the the massive things, just as we're kind of talking, there's my phone's ringing in my pocket, is is this understanding, this aspect of how our phones are starting to ruin our lives um, as it vibrates. Um, I think what, one of the things that I've tried doing and I've achieved to do over the past while is not look at my phone first thing in the morning because it can ruin your day <laughs> and it sets you up for failure, which isn't a bad thing. But yet in saying that, I don't want my phone to dictate the, the kind of curve of my day. So whenever you wake up in the morning, a lot of people will probably pull up Snapchat, they'll look at their emails, they'll look at their text messages, they'll look at Instagram and Facebook and every other social media website that's out there. And then all of a sudden they may get depressed because they're looking at all these other images of people portraying the perfect life. And as you lie in bed at six o'clock in the morning, whatever time it may be for you, you start comparing life. And that comparison is actually where life kicks into gear is actually, I don't have a six pack. I'm not walking on a beach in the Seychelles. I don't have, for example, you know, the, the most um, perfect girlfriend photo, whatever it may be. Um, you know, that's where you start thinking to yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I chasing this dream, whatever that dream may look like? Or it may be cars, it may be homes, it may be houses, holidays, whatever it may be. But for me, it's about trying to realize that I used to use my phone as an alarm. Buy an alarm clock. You can buy them in a really, you know, in a in a discount shop. Buy them online for a couple of a couple of pounds. So, pick an alarm clock up. Don't use your phone. Make sure your phone's not in your bedroom. It sounds really bizarre. A lot of people will think that my head is absolutely kind of full of air, but not looking at your phone for the first 15, 20, 30 minutes of your day can make a massive change to life. Where you take the time to understand. Okay, A, I'm tired, I'm getting up, get your shower, get ready, and, you know, grab a coffee, grab breakfast, whatever that may be. But in that time, 
just have a think about what your day is. Be grateful for A, being awake and having breath, having food to eat. And the fact that you then get to go to work, it's not that you have to go to work. It's just about understanding that it's that mindset. It's how we look at life. But, you know, when we start looking at our phones first thing in the morning, they dictate the pace of life for us. Because all of a sudden, before we've got out of bed, we have a list of to-dos that we subconsciously give ourselves. That today I have to be a better uh, at doing Instagram photos. Or I've got to go to the gym and have a better six-pack or bigger arms or I've got to be fitter, I've got to be big, you know, whatever it may be, all of a sudden we have that subconscious to-do list and we're not happy at life because we're chasing that goal that somebody else has for us when just leave the phone down. Simple. It shouldn't dictate our lives, but I think for a lot of us it does dictate our lives. And so that's one thing that I've tried to do. I've tried to get away from having my phone with me at all times. Um, I've tried to, you know, if the world's going to burn down, then okay, I'll realise that it might be okay to talk to my family. But there's a part of life that just, let's leave our phones alone. Let's not touch them every four minutes. Let's not take them everywhere with us. Let's not have an addiction to a phone. So that's one step that I've tried to do. And my my morning routine is, is pretty much that. And then from there on in, it's just about realising that when I get into work, some things that I've changed over the years are, initially I would come in and I would open my work emails. And then from there on in, that's usually where my day ends because I'm constantly chasing the things on my email that are to do that day. And I never get the things done that I want or need to get done. So what I've done is come into work and I'll take out my notebook and I'll write down the things that I should do that day for myself. Also, all the things that I can remember that I have to do today. And only at that point, when I've written them down, do I then engage with my emails or once I've tried to achieve all of the things that I've written down, do I then look at emails? Because you can just get lost and your day can disappear and you're chasing somebody else's goals. And that's great as a project manager, but it's realizing that at the end of the day as well as, you know, half five, six o'clock at night where I'm trying to cover off all the things that I wanted to do at eight o'clock that morning. It's really difficult because people aren't around or I can't get the answers. And yes, you can email them and yes, you can wait for tomorrow morning to get a reply, but it's still something that I've chased. I've lost that time. Um, so for me, it's realizing that my day is my day is around the teams. My day is around making sure that things run smoothly. We have our meetings. We have our stand-ups. We engage with everybody. It's realizing that if people need me, I'm there. I have the phone with me from a work perspective to help people but uh, it's not there to control my life it's not there to kind of dictate the form of life i try and stay off social media as much as possible in terms of just during work because even that can be depressing um but yeah like in terms of schedules and ways of life i i've tried many things meditation is not up there with one of them first thing in the morning but um, for me, it's just realizing that, you know, with age comes experience and with that experience comes the realization that I get to go to work today and I am lucky to do that and I get paid to do that. And out of that, you know, there's the other was it, 95% of the world that don't get paid what we get paid uh, in the Western world. And I'm, you know, you're in the top 5% of the world, if not, I think it's the top like 1% of people in the world. And we still think that we have it rough. So, you know, you look at life through those lenses and realize, you know, 
we get to work in a really nice offices. We get to work with internet that people don't have. We have mobile phones, which people in the other parts of the world don't have. We complain about having you know, really nice cars. We get to complain about having really good public transport or really good healthcare or whatever it may be. But it's just how we look at life. So I've, I've tried to change how I've looked at life. I've tried to change how I engage with life. And so far... Uh, at the tender age of 40, it's it's slowly starting to work that, you know, this is actually an enjoyable thing to do every day. I get to wake up. <laughs> I get to be alive. I think if you look at it through that lens, look, it sounds quite morbid probably, but I get to be awake. I get to be alive. I get to do all of this. I get to have friends and family and I get to experience life through their eyes as well. And, you know, I get to get paid to do this and that takes care of things for outside of here. So am I, as people would probably have heard before, am I uh, living to work or am I working to live? And at the minute I am working to enjoy life outside of work. I enjoy what I do inside of work, but I'm also enjoying what I do outside of work. And having that perfect, well not perfect, but having that work-life balance is crucial. You need to have a life outside of employment. You need to be out with your friends. You need to be doing something. Whatever it is that makes you tick, you've just got to get out and do it, whatever it is. So for me, it's just about understanding that there's a balance in life. And that's that's my schedule. That's what I do every day. It's just realizing that I get to do this. I don't have to do it. I can quit anytime. Oh, there's so much. But no, like I think for those that are maybe listening, it's about realizing that, you know, life life's really good. Uh, employment is great. Working hard is worth it. If you're studying, keep studying, but find that perfect role that really works for you. Enjoy doing it. You know, by the the next time you really look at life, you'll be 65, supposed to be retirement age, but really, being brutally honest, it'll probably be 75 before we're all allowed to retire. But you need to do something with your life in between that is an enjoyable. So whether it's project management, whether it is nursing, whether it's IT, whether it's building, whether it's a taxi driver, whatever it is that you are really talented at doing, go and do it. Enjoy it. That's what will make you tick. And at that point in time, you will have happiness. You will have fulfillment. And no matter what it is, that's the part of life that will make you tick. So, you know, work hard study if you're studying it's not all about success it's not all about what the world paints in those social media pictures and how we're portrayed find what you want to do find out what you're all about find out what your identity is and from that you can look to your future and hopefully enjoy it well i know in the majority of cases of now this is just in my own experience but people who tend to say school isn't for me there tends to be other underlying reasons there as to why their their focus isn't fully on school or they either you know another aspect of it as well is the whole some people don't want to be you know there's this desire to be a hard a hard lad like you know as well in a lot of sick or yeah like there's that and you know they don't want to be seen to be a studier or to be a worker now i couldn't really give a rat's ass like i mean you know that's basically like that's just me i like results and i like to do stuff but um no like in relation to the whole mental health angle on it in nearly all the cases i've ever dealt with there's always been either someone has been bullied or they're insecure or there's something going on 
in the family and they just can't see they don't actually have the capacity to focus on school see I was lucky in that I didn't really have like well I don't really have any mental health issues um like I mean my family's great so I wasn't bullied either so there wasn't a whole pile detracting away from focusing on you know doing my best in school but whereas a lot of people wouldn't be so fortunate so that's why the leaving cert really isn't a great indicator of somebody's intelligence or their you know their ability for success what makes you feel like you're in a flow like when you're when you're fighting with life that's not your flow okay so it's about getting to know yourself it's about listening to your emotional guidance system okay so what break down the word intuition so in das dash tuition so where does tuition come from tutor if we actually look at the english language it's very powerful and how words are broken down so you are your own teacher and your own guru the day of teachers and gurus and all of this it's gone okay of, of like praising someone of following someone of, that's all gone because you only know what's best for you so if you're your own teacher well then you need to tutor yourself from within and that's what the word intuition feels like and and is so you need to start listening so, you know, when uh, people say, I have a tummy ache, I have this, I have that. That's your body. That's your guidance system asking for your attention. That's interesting. Is this just a pain or is my body trying to tell me something? Start listening. Start becoming curious. Start becoming curious about the different informations that systems you're getting. Ask for signs. I always say this. Have fun. Start having fun with life. Start asking for signs and start listening to them. So there was a great meme that my friend sent me a few weeks ago because we're always laughing about this. And I'm, I'm the sign person, you know, that I'm like, oh, just send me one more sign. Just send me one more sign. And there's this meme where it's like your spiritual team are up in heaven and they're looking down on you. And uh, one of them is saying, I sent this sign today. Yeah, she definitely got it. Yeah. Oh, I sent this sign about an hour ago. Oh, she really got that sign. And then the next um, guide says, okay, I'm putting a $5 bet on that she does exactly the opposite. <laughs> so this is kind of like what we do with our life. We're like, yeah, I met that person and she said this. And then I went to this shop and I saw exactly the same thing. And then I read this article and it said this. Okay, God, just send me one more really big sign so I know that this is the right thing for me to do. And that's kind of what we're like as human beings. So I kind of, I always say to people, imagine you're playing a game and that life is a game. Okay. And there's two ways to play this game, consciously or unconsciously. So as a 20 year old, I wish I had had this information. I was playing the game unconsciously, getting up, going about my day, hoping that things would turn out okay, but not really understanding that I had any control in how this game was played. The problem with playing the game unconsciously is that the game is actually playing you. Okay, so you now become a victim of everything that's happening in the outside world. You're picking up on everybody's energy. You're letting everybody opinions affect you you're picking up your thoughts and ideas from the media from the news from things you read okay so you're not thinking for yourself you're not acting for yourself and you're not making choices for yourself when you start to understand that you can consciously play this game now the game changes and you're only ever playing against yourself okay so you're not playing to to impress anybody else or to look for validation from anybody else this is a game that you're playing solitary okay but it's fun so when you wake up in the morning it's like okay 
I'm going to tell the universe what kind of day I'm going to have by affirming something like today is a great day. Everything is always working out for me. Placing your hand on your heart, sinking into gratitude. What can I be grateful for right now? You start now telling the universe the kind of experiences you would like mirrored back to you. Every single thing that happens to you, you have the choice how you respond. This is where mindfulness comes into play. You have now the opportunity to step back, take a deep breath, take a pause going, this is interesting. This is happening to me again. Okay, why is this happening to me again? What can I do differently this time so that I have a different outcome? This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying our life is created moment by moment, choice by choice. When you're 20, you're fed the narrative that you have to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life now. Okay, and if you don't know what you're going to do, well, then there's something wrong with you because everybody else seems to know where they're going. This is how I felt in school. There was people that knew they wanted to do medicine. They knew they wanted to study business. And I was going, I haven't a bloody clue what I want to do with my life. And to be honest with you, the last seven years, I'm 41. Like I went back and studied nutrition. I was studying it going, yeah, definitely. I'm going to use this in my business, but I'm not going to just do nutrition. So where is this going? Our life unfolds literally as we live it, you know, so to stop worrying so much about what am I going to become, what's my purpose and allow it to unfold naturally by just listening to your guidance system. And then it starts to become fun because go wherever it's taking you. Um, and that's where the fun is with life. That's where your power lies and that's where freedom lies. And for me, true freedom is listening to your inner guidance system questioning everything, understanding that you're unbelievably powerful. Every single human being on this, on this planet is incredibly powerful. Our powers have been dulled and turned down by our governments, our education system, because imagine if everybody really knew how truly powerful they were. Imagine the kind of life they'd be co-creating with themselves by playing the game of life consciously. What kind of world would we live in? Now, that kind of world scares governments, but it bloody excites me. It excites me because we'd now be living from a place of unconditional love. We'd be helping each other instead of hindering each other. We'd be collaborating instead of competing. That's the kind of world I want to live in. And it is within our grasp and it is within our control. And it's happening now. We are all waking up. We are all waking up. Consciousness is shifting. It's scaring the people in power. Absolutely. Stop worrying about them. Stop listening to their fear. Start listening to yourself. And your only job on this earth is to look after your energy and your vibration. And if every single one of us did that, we'd be living in a completely different world. If every single person made the effort to live in a vibration and energy of unconditional love every day, imagine what kind of world we'd live in. Because the power of light will always overshadow the darkness. Always, always, always. And we're here to bring the darker aspects of us to the light. But we can only do that by understanding that we all have that darkness in us. Does that make sense? And meeting it with love and compassion because we're so hard on ourselves. Every time we fuck up, we really beat up on ourselves. And why am I so stupid? Why did I do that? I can't believe I did that again. You would think I'd understand at this stage. Oh my God, I can't believe I ended up with such a controlling freak for like the fifth time in a row and stayed with him for like five, six, seven years. We live in this perpetual cycle of being so hard on ourselves, And this self-defeating cycle that we're in doesn't get us anywhere. So this is why we need to step back. And when we're teaching people about mindfulness, we're missing very, very important things like 
if you don't meet the difficult things that arise in you with a sense of love and compassion, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Like we need to exercise that muscle of compassion that we have for other people with ourselves, because that's how we're truly going to learn and grow. Understanding that everybody on this earth is going to screw up all the time. The Dalai Lama screws up. He just doesn't tell you about it. Nobody has this figured out. Nobody has it figured out because that's what we're here to do. But it's about messing up and learning from it or going, isn't that interesting? I went right into that again, made the same mistake. Okay, so let's not try not to do that this time. So it's about being a little bit easier with ourselves and understanding that the life that we're creating is happening right now. And on the way, we're going to hit bumps in the road. So why do we do things like meditate and practice gratitude and build up our inner resilience and self-worth so that when we do hit those bumps in the road and we do go through those crappy times, we now have a toolbox and we have built up a lot that we can use to help us cope during those difficult times. But if we don't know how to cope in the difficult times, the difficult times become even harder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think one of them that I touched on is when, if you're in a situation where you're not learning anymore, um, then it's probably time for you to move on. Um, So I think that's really, really important. that's a, a personal one for me um you know uh and I need, like you can become stagnant very quickly um and get to a phase where actually you'll look back and you go god what happened to those two years so you need to be challenging and reflective of yourself um to make sure that you're you're continuing to develop so i think that's that's really important um i think the other thing uh i'm quite self-critical um so yeah i have to learn and sometimes this is quite difficult about what's the stuff that you have to let go um you know so you can't uh carry one mistake into the next piece of work sometimes you just have to you have to take the learning and move on but you can't let it eat away with you, at you. um so uh that's um something that i think is is really important and then the last one is just you know i think it's really important to understand the overall context that you're working in you know so sometimes um we can become very task focused you know, I have this piece of work to do and I'm completely focused on that mm-hmm. and come hell or high water, I'm going to do that thing. But actually not understanding the overall context of uh, the business unit or the organization. And actually, maybe if you stood back from it, there might be a better way of doing it. Or actually, maybe um, some of the things that are blocking you or blocking your delivery are just more important than actually you need to... Yeah, yeah, you're going the wrong way with it or whatever. And you can, like, that can be negative in, uh, energy for you. You can become frustrated by a thing which actually maybe it's out of your control or maybe it just isn't as important as you think it is if you understood the overall business context. So I think that that's a, another one that's really important. Yeah. It's because I think there's two ways of improving your perspective on life every day. And one is to, you know, use typical kind of positive psychology tricks. Like, for example, I have a tattoo that says, be happy. Like, that's one of the messages that I've carried forward for many years is just to be grateful. It's not it's not just about being happy as in, like, go around smiling like an idiot all day, but to be grateful for what you have in life, to recognize that you have the opportunity. You probably, if you're listening to this podcast, have far better opportunities than many people on the planet today. 
and certainly the vast majority of humans that have ever lived. So I think gratitude is a massive, massive part of how I approach life. And I would want to deliver that message. So if people could interpret it correctly, I think be happy would be a good message. But the other thing is I would like to put something stark and horrible and just to make people like wake the fuck up. (laughs) Mm. What I mean by that is there's so many tragic circumstances today and throughout history that humans have had to go through that make everyday life seem so simple um, and make all of our issues, like our problems just seem totally fleeting. You know, if you were someone that was alive in, you know, in the Soviet Union and you had to spend a decade or two in the Soviet gulags, the work camps, um, and you had to work, you know, 12 hours a day with your hands freezing in minus 50 degrees weather in, in Siberia, like that's a horrible, horrible existence. The same for people who had to suffer in the Nazi concentration camps. You know, there's been some pretty horrible shit that humans have done to each other. And after that, reading about it, watching videos, being aware that like life is not all like, like roses. And um, if, if you can expose yourself to that sort of information on the daily or weekly or monthly, I think you can change your perspective on life. Like one of the, a great way to do that is to listen to something like the Jocko podcast, like Jocko Willink, um, former Navy SEAL. He has a podcast where he discusses war every week. He's like, a, gets like a million listeners per episode because there's an appetite for this stuff. And he discusses, you know, war. He often reads expert excerpts from books that are, that, you know, again, give you insight into the worst of uh, humans at their worst and, and humans at their best. And I think, Something along those lines of, of exposing people to how horrible some people have it, I think, is is a nice, um, you know, complement to the positive message that I would want to share. So, so that might give you some ideas if you're trying to build a billboard. <laughs> uh, we saw this clip of Kanye West recently. Well, I saw it and I told Paddy about it, but he was saying like, uh, like he was like. I'm I'm excited to see that, and he's like, actually, sorry, uh, I'm trying not to say excited as much recently. I think it's a bad word. I'm pleased right now, and I was like, that's that's a cool perspective because you're like, you're not trying to get excited for events in the future. Just be happy that they are going to happen. But you can have that feeling of happiness now, but like, don't make any conditional happinesses like bullshit. And yeah, it's, it's, it's never gonna gonna happen if you look at it that way. Because like, no one's ever predicted the future properly. Like, you know, you have ideas of like what what's going to happen, but you can't say for sure. Mm. It's like you build it up to be this like unbelievable experience, and then you get there, and it's like, uh, like uh-huh. I've already got the excitement from all the the weeks of me looking at it. Yeah. So I'm like back to neutral again. So I just yeah. feel nothing from the. Whenever I see someone like I'm posting on Instagram, and they're like. uh holiday blues only way to fix holiday blues is to book another one it's like man your your life like if you if you need happiness from having a holiday booked there's something going wrong there like your 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 daily life is so filled with unhappiness that you need to look towards this event where you get away from the world that's like a completely unhealthy relationship i think um the other thing as well that i've learned from doing a podcast is like you know i did uh, an internship um in a company and i was kind of like you know it it was it was so so um it, it was a good exp- well no i won't say it's so so it was a great experience and i work with really really great people um and i was like coming out of it and i was like yeah that was good um but i, I can i do better like is there other jobs that are going to pay me more 
but now like my whole thing is like do i even want to do that whereas before my whole thing was like okay you try one computer science job and maybe you can do a better computer science job right and now i'm like why do i need to do a computer science job why do i need to do anything you know why why not what what options are available to me every single one you know i can do whatever i want and you're going to pigeonhole yourself into doing this computer science job because that's what society said to do. They said, get your degree and then go work in that field. It's like, well, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I'll be happier doing something else. And those options are available to me now if I want to. I can always work in computer science job if I want to. Yeah. But if I want to try something else for a while, that option's right out open too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I realize that's not really how writing happens every time you write something it becomes a part of your personality it becomes a part of what you're interested in and what you care about and yeah you can only ever write from the heart it sounds weird to say that out loud but it it's definitely true you 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 can't write about something that doesn't affect you because it's not that you you have to worry about like oh will people think this is real like it just it won't feel right to you. You have to really care. Like my book only started coming together when I started researching and not just for research's sake. It was because I started getting angry about the things that are going on. And that was really a big push. And that's actually what helped me get out of that uh, procrastination slump that I actually found myself in. And every single time I go back and do research, it just amps me up even more. Like this book has to come out now. Things are getting worse. And yeah, I mean, so far, uh, the reception's been good. Not even just in terms of the novel, but in terms of people saying, like, um, inter- like for an Irish, uh, it, from an Irish point of view, it's you don't really find that many things in terms of mass media, as opposed like, you have, like, the news, you have newspapers, journalism, all that kind of thing. and But apart from that, you don't really have, like... Like Ireland has such a uh, great indie film base, and it just it seems lacking in that kind of thing. Um, I haven't really looked into it myself. Um, I don't want to say that when if if there is something, and I I would love to help out that though. I would love to uh, help uh, in some way. I have a friend who's actually uh, just put on a production. Um, it's called Minutes to Midnight. His name is Ryan O'Donnell, and he's an incredible activist himself. Very passionate about climate change, and yeah, his his play is incredible. And yeah, I would I would highly recommend going to see it if you get the chance. But yeah, it, it's again that's a student base. Everything is coming from students because we are the ones that it gets our future. The very big thing to highlight in my book that it was the start. You have a 17-year-old in the year 2035. Right now, she would be a toddler. And the point is, it's their future. And it's at a time where you really have to realize that none of the, most of the characters, because they're young people in the book, none of them really exist right now. Or they're just, they're barely able to speak. And that's, that, was a, that was a serious thing about it, that you stop and realize the, the ramifications that like it's going to be we're going to be adults then we're going to be in our what are like our 40s you know like just starting 40 and it's going to be tough to bring kids up in a time where there's so much going on and so much has changed from today and yeah it was just such a a very important part of it you know um so 
to say about that? I think that, first of all, let's take an example. Say you want to get into, say, digital marketing. I'd start with a course. You know, I'd start with learning about it. A key part of running any business or succeeding at anything, like you have to, you have to have fucking skills. So if I'm coming to you as a digital marketer, you better believe you've got to be telling me shit that I don't know myself, you know? So you need to have some form of skill set. So spend a bit of time learning about sort of how to do that um, and and then figure out how to monetize it. And the key thing is though, I it, make sure you're picking something that isn't hard to monetize. Like it's not, it's it's way harder to like monetize a YouTube channel compared to something like a painter because people already know that painting costs money and labor costs money. Whereas something like a YouTube channel, you could be very passionate about it, like I am. But I've made a single cent off my YouTube channel in like four years because you need a load of views and a load of engaged fans to actually sell anything. And so it's not going to be any form of stable income. Like you might get a brand deal here or there, but that's after four or five years of graft. So um, start learning about stuff and develop competencies in it because the more you actually know and have control and mastery over something the more you'll actually enjoy it anyway um so get out of this place of like what you think your passion is and get down to the nitty-gritty of trying coding for a month see what's like trying whatever for a month see what's like until you hit on something that you want to continue to grow and evolve over time yeah first thing i'd say is get yourself out there mm-hmm. you know talk to people mm-hmm. um and, and try and get a feel for the industry and stuff as well. But I'd also say is you're never going to get a total feel for it until you just take a leap and try something. So what I'd say is first, talk to people. Try and try and talk to many people in, in different disciplines as you can and, and try and get a feel for what it's Which like. Which is why this podcast was created. Why this podcast was created, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and based on that, then kind of then go with, I'd say your gut feeling is like, this sounds like the thing I want to do. Now, that may turn out to be not the case. Yeah. But you'll find is then when you take that leap and get into the industry, you'll start to find different roles you hadn't even heard of. Mm. You know, coming out of college, I I don't even think I heard the word product management before. You know what I mean? So I was totally not aware of this role. And it's only when I got into it and started seeing, like, you know, working with product managers Mm. going, oh, I think I'd really like that, actually. Yeah. So, you know, talk to people, go with your gut, get into the industry and 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 stay curious right and and really keep an eye on you know not just people in your role but uh, what's happening around you as well and and talk to those people it's a, it's a never-ending learning experience so it's just important just to stay curious stay stay in a, in a headspace where you're willing to learn and and just go for it you know yeah you know? stay curious yeah, yeah um and let's just say there's a billboard and this billboard is just in the clouds everyone can yeah. see it so if you look up at the sky oh look there's a nice billboard yeah so what would you put up on that billboard for students for the whole world to see the whole world to see one message you may be a you may be a coach maybe whatever you can think of like some valuable that you can just uh, i mean one of the big things i'm a big fan of and uh, is just try and live in the moment you know um you know, like, as a student coming out, like, you can be thinking 10, 20 years ahead, but, like, who knows what's going to happen yeah. then, you know? So, just live in the moment, try and stay present, enjoy yourself, do what makes you happy, but I feel like living in the moment is just key to that, you know? 
um, th- that'll probably be my my bill for it. I'd say, yeah. It's be kind. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's definitely a quote um, that phrases that better. But um, I think yeah, like it's just really important to be nice, be nice to people, um, and give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think one thing that's always said internally in Google, and it's actually a good saying, and one that I've taken to other aspects of life, is uh, just to always assume good intent. So um, you know, if you think someone's a bit aggro at you, maybe they are, uh, maybe you're just picking up wrong. But um, if they are, you know, there might be a reason behind that. Um, Something might have happened to them earlier on in the day. They might just be having, you know, a bad day, etc. Um, so, you know, just give them the benefit of the doubt and, you know, I guess treat others as you'd like to be treated yourself. I think that's an important one, especially in the world we live in today. Yeah. Well, I love it. Like you're, you're the best in the world for what you do. You're giving me a, quite an accolade here, but, uh, well, I don't know if I am or not, but I, I probably do it differently than other people, maybe. I probably develop my own way of doing it because it was really self-taught because in the factory when I started when I started as a cutter so probably getting the cutting skill uh, once I was able to use the tools and I used to be doing the cutting which the cutting was entailed was just the surface design on the, on bowls and vases and glasses you know drinking glass oh, yeah. you know, to do a design on the outside and that's what we were doing and I used to always have the wheels but I'd have little bits of glass that would break, you know. It's obviously you would get breaks. It's the nature of the, of the of the of the the trade, and I get little bits of solid glass, and I'd make up little birds and animals out of those, just slicing them on the, in my spare time, like on the breaks or whatever. Yeah. And of course, my mates and friends in the factory would see me doing this. I'd be doing one maybe for my mother's birthday or Mother's Day or whatever. Mm. You make a little butterfly or something, a brooch or a, some little thing. And uh, they would see me doing that. And then uh, they used to ask me to make stuff for them. And we worked a, a piece rate system, which meant we get paid for whatever we done. Produce, yeah, if yeah. you didn't produce it, you didn't get paid. So they would do my production while I made their little ornament or brooch or whatever it was for their mums. So I, I had the best of both words. I was able to do my little knickknacks and they would do my, they would make my wages for me. <laughs> so... That's how I really started, yeah, doing the sculpting. Yeah. You know, there was no sculpting at the time because that time it was just balls, phases. You know, there was no really, there was no solid items in Waterford. So when I started, then I got caught, of course, by the foreman several times. Uh, uh, he was from Germany uh, and he used to warn me not to be doing it because he used to say these pieces were one of a kind pieces, you know, they were worth so much money and stuff. And he warned me not to be doing it, and then eventually reported me to HR, and I actually got fired for it. And then Mr. Havel, which was um, he was the senior designer at the time, he was from the Czech Republic. At that time, it were all just Waterford was they were there from the when Waterford started back up in 1950 after the war. And <clears throat> Mr. Havel saw the pieces that I had made that he had taken off me. The other guy had taken off me. And he said, well, you know, we can put some of these pieces into production, you know. So he called me out and done an interview with him. And I thought I was going to be arrested or something because they were asking me to bring in the pieces that I had at home, <laughs> which were on the quite. Yeah. And uh, so I had visions of my house being raided by the cops or something. You know, that yeah. time, you know, being a young guy at the time, didn't realize. But anyway, I brought them in and, and everything was fine. He, he, he took me on in the sculpting. Uh, just 
instead of so here I went from in, within two weeks of being fired to being to getting a new job in a new department who was setting up a whole new department of sculpting mm. so that was 1987 I think or 86 mm. yeah that's pretty cool and what was I going to say <coughs> the whole sculpting and design uh, advice that I, that I would give to such an individual is simply uh, start small small start steps small. Uh, I, I I was like one big leap. I was like uh, meat, no meat, but but that's just me. I'm like I'm like a, a switch on, switch off guy. Right. Um, so for like most people, I would just say start small. Just start with your breakfast. Experiment with like uh, creating five different types of breakfasts that that you like that are like fully plant based. And then when you have the, those down, go to your lunch. Mm. Then eventually go to uh, maybe uh, your snacks, and eventually go to like the the evening meal uh, uh, that you have with your family, and uh, then you can like switch out, switch out, switch out, and eventually you're fully vegan before you know it. But like going all like all in from the start is really hard for a lot of people because uh, then they can get a lot of p- people like asking questions and stuff, and that could maybe waver their motiv- motivation or they have so much things to, to, to think about and look out for and to research and that's going to be too much pressure. So just think about what is, what is like optimal and doable for me and just start with that. Just start with that and keep that in like as a fundamental, as a basis and build out, build out your fundamental and basis uh, a level uh, depending on uh, yeah where you're at. Hmm. You know uh, where to get your information out of. Yeah, it's, that's a really good question. It's a really good point because it is constantly evolving, mm. even more so than a lot of fields, I think. And so that's another important skill to have doing what, what I do is you need to be very open-minded and you need to be prepared to change your mind on some belief or something you may have thought to be true maybe two, three years ago. You need to be prepared to absolutely kill that, admit that, well, it's, it's not about admitting you're wrong as such, but it's like, okay, based on the new information, I'm not going to doggedly cling on to that thing which I thought was true. I'm going to see the information for what it is. So not, not having biases as much as possible, that's very difficult to have no bias at all. But for the most part, not, have, not being biased, not holding on to certain viewpoints and just seeing the evidence for what it is. So in that respect, um, obviously the... Obviously, primary scientific papers are a good place to look. Now, I wouldn't say I have a particular flair for reading and interpreting papers. So what I tend to do a lot is use research reviews that other people who do have that flair for interpretation. So the likes of Danny Lennon on Sigma Nutrition, uh, his website and his podcast. He doesn't have a research review as such, but also Alan Flanagan who has Alinea Nutrition uh, that's only launched this year. Um, that's, a, that's an excellent place to help interpret evidence and see for what it is. Like Alan is one of the best people I've ever come across in terms of being unbiased and his ability to interpret evidence and literature and you know put it in a way that people can understand. It, it, now, in fairness, he's, he's probably a bit, beyond a layperson who doesn't have much of a, a background in nutrition, but for anyone who is in, involved and that's their profession, uh, excellent place to go. 
and like similarly him and him and Danny have teamed up on some stuff now as well so Danny's another person his seminars are very good the Sigma Nutrition seminars weekends I've gone to a few of those he, he is a real flair for interpreting research and you know showing you what you can do other research reviews would be the likes of examine.com who are probably well known for supplements in particular so they're the best resource online for um evidence around different supplements but they also have a nutrition research review which is really good there's a weightology by james krieger is another one um so that that's where i get most of my learning from is from research reviews where they will read the papers and it will give you you know feedback based on that and interpretation and you know it's it's never going to be perfect because we're all human we're all prone to being biased at times and making mistakes but you know if it's a person you can trust and maybe if you're subscribed to several of these research reviews you're going to get a, a holistic sense of the evidence and when you're looking at studies as well that's where looking at things like meta-analyses comes in because in terms of they will take the evidence from many many studies and try to see what the overall conclusions are based on that and you know they're not perfect either but they're probably the best bet for trying to get a an overall view of something of a, a particular subject in nutrition or anything else as opposed to just reading one study here and there because you can find you can find studies to say anything and you'll always find conflicting evidence and that can be based on how the study was done um you know faults of the researchers like i said we're all human we're all prone to to making mistakes at this stuff so at least in a meta-analysis it's all that pulled together and saying okay what's the net outcome here based on everything that we've looked at so they're they're a good place to go as well mm. um and there's there's plenty of other good resources like uh, i know you had gary on from triage methods uh skinny guys they they put out a huge amount of really good free content on their website uh him and patty um, obviously, we write a lot of stuff on the Fit Clinic as well. Uh, Lyle McDonald has a really good website. That's uh, bodyrecomposition.com. And he has a lot of really good books as well that I've learned a lot from. Renaissance Periodization, they have some really good books as well. And yeah, they're, and Precision Nutrition, which is who I did my uh, coaching certs with, they have lots and lots of articles and podcasts and obviously their their actual certification courses are going to teach you a lot as well so that is where i get the the bulk of my learning from i would say mm. um i would say i would write nothing really matters <laughs> and what do you mean um i just mean that um I think that things matter and they don't I think people think that your that your social scene that you're in matters your you know I think your only the only thing that matters is your heart and and your intentions with you know your everyday intentions with people um so I think people like I just don't think anything really matters I don't think careers matter I don't I think we're all just going to die anyway so um, might as well just have a bit crack like while you're here <laughs> um, you know what I mean so like and that that that's been one thing that's kind of 
help me kind of navigate when I'm really scared or or nervous about things I kind of go it doesn't really matter like nobody doesn't really matter um and like you have to just go for it while you're here and on earth and everyone's going to die and everyone's going to go down the same way and I think if you're good to people you're good to yourself you love hard I think that's that's the only thing that's going to be that's going to be truly rewarding to you and everything else is just it's all a game personally I think it's all a game so um yeah that's the way I look at things um doing what feels right and doing it as well as you can uh and if you're limited because you're fucking tired or you know something fell through that's okay do the best you can with the cards you've been given and as long as you do that you won't have regrets I think the most powerful thing that people have access to that we don't see being put into effect so much yet, I mean, it's glowing, but it, it, there's still a lot more room for it to, to happen, is social accountability for, for people to actually look at one another and hold each other to account. Like if you see someone being outright wasteful or, or doing things that are harmful, needlessly, senselessly, carelessly, to call them out on it the same way you would to someone who's being uh, publicly racist or bigoted or sexist. You, you're not going to stand around and watch that. And at some point, we, should, we shouldn't tolerate each other, you know, shitting on the environment either, you know? We, we need to call one another out on our bad habits. Not, and I'm not saying that we need to turn against one another. It has to be a collaborative thing. It's like, hey, man, you know, that's, that's not the best way to go about it. You know, I'll help you uh, if, if you want, or here's a, a better solution to this. It's not about criticizing other people, but helping people to see where there's room for improvement and helping them to achieve that. So it, it's, it's not meant to be a critical thing. It's meant to be teamwork. It's meant to be us coming together, recognizing these things and solving them together. I don't want to be suggesting that anyone should be I have each other's throats over any of this, but um, uh, yeah, the uh, the other side of that is not just each other on a personal level, but we all need to hold our governments and our companies, and you know that that's where the power, the for real big change is. And we need to hold them to account more than anything. But that doesn't mean that the pressure isn't on the rest of us. We all have a role to play in this. We can't just sit back and say, hey, it's the government's business. Make them fix it. Uh, we need to put the pressure on them. And we need, when, if, if the entire workforce of a company turns around and says to their, uh, to their CEOs, to their managers, look, we are not going to be doing 10 trips a year anymore. This is madness. We're, we're going to do more video conferencing. We're going to have local meetings with the teams and then have fewer people who go to the, to the cross-team meetings or all the, there's so many things that people do that are so wasteful in business that can be improved upon if people want to. And if, if the workforce decides that it's not on, it's not on the big shots at the top anymore, you just tell them, look, this is how it's going to be because if everyone agrees at the bottom of the ladder, no one at the top can make them do it anymore. You know, there's so many more people that are just normal people and the people at the top depend on the bottom of the totem pole. 
you know, you may. Yeah. I mean, I can completely re- relate to that on a personal level. I mean, I found, especially when I was in secondary school, I was not myself and I found it really hard to fit in. And I did have that mindset of, you know, I'm all alone and I'm only, I'm the only one. And again, I think that that really comes back to the fact that we don't talk about it enough. We don't educate people enough about it. It wasn't until I got to college and I actually you know, it came near to a breakdown because of my anxiety, because that was a huge change that was completely based around new social experiences mm. um, that I learned what social anxiety was. And I remember reading the definition of it and crying because I realized, oh, I'm not alone in how I feel. And this is a part of me and that's OK. Um, and then it took me a long time and a huge journey to get to a place where I can talk about it and I really don't care if there's people who respond to that negatively because I know by me being me, it's so much better for me and it's so much better for everyone else as Mm, well Um, because by me talking about these things, by me sharing my passion with the world, it's helping other people. When I get messages online about how what I've shared has connected with someone or given them the courage to talk to someone else about how they're feeling, that's what makes it all worth it. When we are our true selves, we benefit the world around us so much more and we pay into the universe what we were created to do. And it has this huge snowball effect of just really good energy flowing out to the people around you. The relationships that you will make will be so much stronger because you are connecting with people as yourself, not as what you think they want you to be. Hmm. Um. Probably just enjoy yourself. Just be happy. That that'd be it. That's it. Just I don't know. A lot of people aren't aren't like they're too busy to be happy. A lot of the time in business, anyway. I don't know what it's like. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of the people around me they're so busy doing xyz or you know work is kind of consuming them they don't have the time to kind of just appreciate stuff um and i know a good few people like that and it's just kind of annoying you know they'll only like really let loose and be happy like you know on the weekend or on holidays like why just enjoy every day you know so yeah i think i'd probably say be happy i love that and like (laughs) uh what helps you stay happy why are you uh, such a happy, happy guy? Yeah. I think I just don't care enough about anything. Very few things, I should say. Um, Like, you know, the paper. Like, I'm very emotionally invested in the paper. Hmm. But if it were to go bust right now, I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't start crying and panicking and stressing. I'd just kind of take it in my stride. Because it's not the end of the world, like, you know. Um, same with, if I got fired from PwC for saying something stupid on this podcast, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, wouldn't really mind. Because there's always going to be something else down your way. You just kind of have to think about that. About that. Mm. So, yeah, I just don't really care an awful lot about the, the negative stuff that happens around me. Yeah, it's, I've seen, you've got to, yeah. You've got to persevere. You've got to keep going. 
you know yeah. things are not going to go like similar to what I was saying there you're not I, I didn't go from zero to you know 10k in a day it, t- it took time it took a long yeah. time and yeah that is just getting stuck every day you're doing something but then beyond that I think and people are kind of afraid of this but collaborating with people so that's where my biggest wins have come from when I've similar to what I spoke about with the vegan health hub where you know I got talking to you guys and we collaborated on this this project and this company so it's you know don't be afraid to reach out to people and talk to them because very often you'll find you have similar goals to a lot of people and you can actually you know by joining with them you can actually go a lot further so it's kind of like you know yeah you can get there on your own maybe quicker but by joining with somebody you can actually go a lot further with them and you've got that support and you can actually build something far bigger than you could on your own so i think having that mindset where okay it's online and you're you know you're in front of your computer but you're still open to connecting with people via instagram linkedin youtube whatever whatever platform you're using that you're open to working with people and i think that's probably the main thing that got me to where i am now is is by following that where i've always been very open it it didn't matter what size people were in terms of like their following or their you know how well they were known and just reach out yeah yeah, just you know reach out chat to them and same with people that have that have reached out to me as my following has grown and you know i'm more than happy to work with people on that and i find great things come from that so yeah if you're open to that i think you'll definitely go far in it yeah 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 well you know i think the number one thing about networking um is that networking is all about giving not getting and most people think you know i need to network because i need a job i've got to get a sale so i'm going to go out there and network and i'm going to try and find some people who can do something to help me and i actually i actually think it's, it's the exact opposite I mean, I think when, you're, when you meet anybody, you should always have sort of three questions in the back of your mind. And the first question is, what can I do for you, rather than the opposite? And, and the more you give in life, you know, as you all know, the more it comes back to you, the more you get. Mm-hmm. So what can I do for you is a great question. Um, another great question is, you know, if you were me, what would you do? In other words, you're asking for advice, you're paying respect and deference to wisdom, sometimes age and experience, and you're listening, which is back to that number one skill in networking is the ability to listen. And then the third question in networking, which is kind of the gold dust question, which is um, who do you know who works in advertising, lives in Brisbane, you know, whatever. But who do you know who is an interesting question because what you're really sort of saying to somebody is, are you willing to put your reputation on the line to make an introduction for me? And so much in life is about referrals. 80% of jobs, you know, come through referrals. I mean, most people don't get their jobs from an ad in the newspaper. Mm. They get their job because they've built up a reputation. They've become known. um, And uh, people are attracted to them or know about them. So now you're into this whole area of your your reputation, you know, and what people think of you, what people say about you when you're not in the room. And and, and this whole area of, and I don't even like the expression, but it explains it pretty well, your personal brand. You know, your personal brand. So, you know, and many people say, I hate that. I, I, I hate, I don't have a personal brand. But actually, not having a personal brand 
is having a personal brand and everybody has one whether you like it or not the question is do you want to determine what your brand is or do you want other people to determine it and when you let other people determine what your brand is it generally is not the brand that you're happy with or like or comfortable with so this notion of finding what's out what's true and authentic about yourself and letting other people know is important so so it's interesting because you see I would have come from a generation from when I finished school and college and started into the workforce, I would have had the traditional advice that every parent gives or gave in those days, which is work hard, keep your head down and keep out of trouble. Probably the worst career advice you could give any youngster. Because if you do that, you get ignored. Because there's two types of work. There's visible work and invisible work. And if all you do is keep your head down and keep out of trouble and do invisible work and nobody knows what you're doing and what you're contributing to the organization, you will get overlooked. And that's the harsh reality. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the technical skills that they needed to get their job in the first place as they progress through their career become less important because everybody has them and you can't compete on what everybody has. And relationships become more important. And there's kind of a crossover. Um, and we chatted before about um, Harvey Coleman, an American, who's written a lot on this topic and about networking and career progress. And he has a kind of an outrageous theory. It's called the pie theory, P-I-E. And the pie theory is, um, he says P stands for performance. And he makes this outrageous statement that your career progress depends 10% on how well you do your job, which sounds totally and utterly daft surely how well you do your job is everything it's like 90 percent, at least 90 percent. and he says no he said he said you know doing a great job now is mandatory you know it's the minimum everybody does a great job he said we're not talking about getting on the ladder we're talking about going up the ladder that's a different thing altogether he said you get paid on performance you get promoted on what other people think of your potential so now he's introducing those two little pesky words, other people. In other words, people's judgment about you. And so the reality is, your progress in life and your career will be determined by people who are making a judgment about you and you're not in the room. You're not in the room. So what does that mean? That means you need to have built those relationships your reputation. You need to become known, not famous. You need to become a go-to person for something. You have to craft this personal identity, personal reputation, so that people have a view on you. And the funny thing about reputation is that, you know, we all know your reputation follows you around. But actually, in some cases, your reputation precedes you. People have a view on you before they even meet you. And we're all very judgmental. We all make judgments about people incredibly quickly. So what we're saying here is that not only do you need a mentor as you develop your career, but you also need a sponsor. So a mentor is somebody who talks to you. A sponsor is somebody who talks about you. And you know, there are two interesting distinctions. You need people who have your back, who will talk about you when you're not in the room. And I think a lot of people miss all of that when they're thinking about career trajectory. And this notion of just keep your head down, do a great job. And then they wonder, how come this other person, who I don't think is nearly as good as I am, is getting picked for promotion, etc. And As Harvey Coleman says, the future leadership of your organization will not be by unknown people. 
So you have to become known. I say you have to become known, not famous. You know, Kardashians are famous, but you don't need to be like that. But you've got to become known. So this is his performance element of his pie theory. Um, the other two elements, and, and, and performance is only 10% of your career progress. The I stands for your image, uh, what people think of you. What are you known for? Um, and that's really important. And your performance can help create an image about you. Do a great job. That helps your image. But then the E of the pie theory, and the E is 60% of career progress, depends on E, which stands for exposure. So now it's a question, who's seen you in action? Who's seen you perform? Who's seen you in meetings? You know, are you seen as an optimistic person who brings solutions? Do you bring problems? And exposure is interesting because it means you've got to become good. You've got to pick up some skills. One of them is being good at public speaking. Um, a lot of people hate that. One of the great hates in life is public speaking. There's a guy called Andy Lapata wrote an interesting book called um, And Death Came Third. And he did a study and he found that the three great fears in life in third place was actually death. In second place, walking into a room where you know nobody and people's greatest fear in life is public speaking. But I think if you if you put an effort in that space and become better and more competent uh, at public speaking, it will draw people to you. It will create and help your reputation. Um, you will inspire uh, people. Um, and I say you will attract people. And it will give you a great competitive advantage because that's what we're all looking for. You see, life is a game of inches. The difference between success and failure, becoming first and second. We see it in sport all the time. It's minuscule. It's absolutely tiny. So you need every advantage you can get. And being good at networking, I think, can be the great difference maker and really can differentiate you from the competition. Like you said a lot of things It has been such a journey. And I've learned so much. And that's been one of the most fun parts of this whole process is I never had any idea how much I would end up learning about not only topics in health and wellness, but myself. Like I've learned so much about myself. Mm. And the biggest thing I've learned, I think there are two main things. So I started my channel, like I said, to express these ideas that I had. And also it was just a deep curiosity of all of these wellness topics and trends that fascinated me that I wanted to sort of get to the bottom of. Like, celery juice was a big trend. Like, does this actually work? How is it going to work for me? Is there science behind it? What is the research that we have? Like, I was just curious to uncover some of these deeper, these deeper questions. And I think the biggest thing I learned, I've learned is, first of all, this is, I think, obvious now, and it's a kind of a given, but our bodies are just so different. And I've learned, you know, I learned that especially working for fitness genes, our bodies respond differently to so many different things. So something that works for me may not work for you. There's this concept of bio-individuality and we are all so different. Everything from like our circadian rhythms to how our genetics respond to certain type of eating to how we um, work out and exercise. And it's not just the genetics affecting that, but there's so many factors affecting how we respond. Right. Um, 
So that's the biggest thing. And I've said that in pretty much every video that I've made. And the other thing is like, I started off really scientific in my approach and I'm still extremely fascinated by science. And I'm like always skeptical of everything and just have questions about everything I try. There's always like a layer deeper (laughs) that I want to go, but I've just learned that you just can't explain certain things with science. Like science is ever evolving and it will continue to evolve for as long as humanity exists. So for example, meditation has been around for thousands of years and it was discredited by mainstream science for so long until recently. Like now we have a lot of research to show how much it can help not only our mental health, but our physical health. Like Mm. it can lower our blood pressure. We have that science now. So that's just an example of how science changes over time. And I, I believe we're going to learn so much more about our mind body connection moving forward. So I'm, I'm always skeptical of anything I try, but I'm, I also try and keep a fully open mind because who am I to judge anything without actually like understanding it. And even when I try something and I do this whole extensive like research process and I've experienced for myself, I still have questions. So I think I've learned that like the, there's so much mystery in life and health isn't about like figuring it out and knowing like the perfect diet to eat and how to take all the perfect supplements and, oh, I have to be so rigid and perfect in my health to be mm-hmm. healthy. It's not about that. Like health and well-being, it's so much more about how we experience this world and our mindset towards it and being able to be lifelong learners and really valuing human connection. And we even have research to show that the people who live the longest, healthiest lives, they have the strongest social circles. And they're often just doing the simple things right, but they're not doing any crazy health trends. They're just living a simple, really good life with good people and appreciating and being grateful for being here on this planet. And it's just sort of as simple as that, but I have so much more to learn. And like, that's, that's uh, what lights me up. That's, I guess what keeps me going is just my genuine curiosity to explore all of it. And which brings me to the other question that I had, like you've done. Stop hesitating and jump in. Um, you'll only learn. And that's where you really figure out if you want to do the do it or not. There's no mm-hmm. point of don't, 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 uh, don't sit in an idea for long. If you want to go build it, go build it, uh, put everything you can into it. But when you do go build it, you do have to put everything you can into it. Otherwise you'll leave things on the table. Um, and you're just going to get better and better. The, the more you go, you know, just in your, there's certain skills you're, you're, actually born with this you want to call it but just all the skills you develop um over time and no one ever and the other thing is like everyone started where you were like and the, like you you it's probably this little ton of like imposter syndrome is very real and you're and it's something that everyone has um and everyone has and and and, and whether you're elon musk or or any, or, or, or someone just starting their first company and doesn't know where to go next. Everyone has, everyone has, has had imposter syndrome thinking that, that, that what are they doing? The arrogance go off on them. think they can solve this problem and build this company. Um, but you've got to believe in yourself too. Like you, there's, you've, when you're in there, there's no point in questioning yourself. You've got to always be your biggest fan. 
um, and, const- and and really do when when you've when you've got <clears throat> when you know you, you've got you've got a, you've got a, you've got a um, got a solution that can go and that can that can be a business. Go and stand behind yourself and and and, and believe in everything you do. Um, because no one else will and you have to go and convince you, you have to go and convince everyone else that you're on the right path whether it's your, your whether it's your employees whether it's the people you're selling to whether it's the, if you're raising money the investors you're buying you're buying from so you have to be uh you have to be on 100 percent behind uh, behind your your biggest fan um so yeah that, that's some advice so sorry i should say starting and building businesses um so it's about a great idea that gets you excited that then on your own you refine you think about you get more and more passionate about it you challenge it to yourself then when you think you're not a lunatic you start to socialize with other people you get other people's advice on it then ignoring all their advice and going for it anyway and then finding a team building friendships with co-founding team building trust you know, mentoring, motivating, getting those detailed successes every day, communicating, you know, widening and achieving, making sales, all, all those things that are part of starting and growing business. That's where my passion is. Oh, it has been since I've been 20 years old. Um, I said I'm 30 plus years doing this now and I've just created another startup. And um, so it, it's a drug that keeps on giving. So that's it. Bobby, thank you very much for your time. I mean, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it's prob- maybe the biggest thing is I do kind of believe look before, or sorry, rather leap before you look. People say like, you should look before you leap. And I find that that actually holds people back a lot. They want to, they, they think they might want to try something or do something, but they sort of research it to death and they find out all of the pitfalls. Like, I don't know of any other 42 year old who became a professional poker player. And I, and when I say that to other people my age, they go like, that was absolutely insane. Like, how did you think that was ever going to work? Um, and it, it, I think if I had gone off and done lots of research and asked people, everybody would have said, look, all the top players started in their twenties. There's nobody who started at that age and got to the top level. You're just going to lose all your money and waste all your time doing this. Um, but I didn't do any of that. I just, I just started and mm. let, 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 let's see how it goes. Same with the podcast. Like we didn't do any market research. We didn't go like, how do we get an audience? Uh, what do we have to do? We just kind of stumbled in, said, we'll do, we'll do our best. We'll make the best podcast we can make uh, and, and, and take it from there. And even at different points of the, of the thing, we got sort of like bad advice Um when we the the podcast wrapped up after a season because the company that commissioned it, the, an Irish company, went into liquidation. So the only reason it came back was when myself and David signed as ambassadors with Unibet, and they were like, "Okay, well, you know, we like your blogs. Uh, we like the fact that you're give a lot of interviews and you're, you're you're both prominent figures in the poker world. Um, is there anything else you could bring to the table?" And we were like, "Well, we used to do this. We used to do this Irish." poker podcast which is specifically Irish in focus just covering the Irish poker scene we could do that and maybe like expand it out a bit so that we're not just the Irish market and they were like oh yeah that sounds interesting um let's try that and then 
there was a bit of research done and they came back to it and said, okay, well, yeah, there's definitely a market for this. Now, the thing about Unibet is we only operate in certain territories, so we want you to concentrate on those territories. And we're like, okay, fine. Mm. Also, ignore America because all the research that we have done indicates that Americans won't listen to uh, people with accents, people with European accents. They only want um, to listen to American content. And I was like, I'm not sure about that. I mean, America is by far the biggest market in the world for poker. We speak English. I mean, okay, our accents might be a little bit difficult, but you know, we can also talk in a way which they can hopefully understand us. And maybe we're just not giving Americans enough credit here. And I, I knew from my own blog metrics that my blog had changed over time. Like when I started writing my blog, the only people who read it pretty much were people in Ireland, other Irish people who were interested in Irish poker. Um, and then over time, people in other countries started reading it. And by the time this was 2015, 2016, whatever, I knew that ha- almost half of my readers were in America because um, it's by far the biggest poker playing country. Mm. Uh, it's where most poker players live. So I was like, I, I really don't think this is right that we should just uh, not go after America. And they were like, yeah, yeah no, no, don't, don't, don't bother with America. Don't, uh, don't get American guests. Just um, concentrate on Europe because Americans won't listen to Europeans. So we kind of ignore that advice and it basically stood to us because now half our listeners are in America. The wow. the award that we won, the Global Poker Award, is an award which is only ever won by American podcasts in general. Uh, we managed to win it because we have such a large American audience and the American audiences have been very, very enthusiastic in their response to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's another example of where you can sort of like, I think the whole leap before you look, just try something and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, fine, stop doing it. Don't, don't beat your head against a brick wall, but also don't like stop yourself from doing stuff just because other people say it's a bad idea. Hmm. Okay. But this goes for everybody listening to this podcast. And it's quite simple. Like literally you must follow your passion. If you're in a job that you don't like either change your behavior and your mindset towards your job and learn to like it or quit your job. And I know people say, well, that sounds easy, Keith. And uh, that's not easy, you know, because uh, I'd be out of money and out of pocket. Well, yeah, you will. I mean, I burnt my hands on the toasters in McDonald's. How about that? I was the kid's magician making just like, uh, you know, very little money from uh, Ross Lair to Roscoff and Sherbrooke. So I can say this because I've been through it. I, I lived in tiny, tiny little flats where the whole flat was like the size of this room that I'm in here with uh, literally a stove in the corner. Um, but I always stay true to follow my passion. And, you know, life is too short. You've got to find your, your passion. And if you haven't found your passion, now is the perfect time in COVID-19 to actually sit with yourself, self-hypnotize, which you, you can learn out of the, the, the ebook that I'm sending out, uh, self-hypnotize and just find your inner passion. Find what lights you up in the morning because life uh, will be far easier if you are following your passion and you'll never work a day in your life, really. Even though I say I work 18 hours a day, I mean, yeah, it's work, but I love it. I mean, a lot of it is research. A lot of it is improving my mindset. Um, There's a lot of stuff that I'd rather not be doing, uh, but ultimately I do it anyway um, because I follow my passion. So um, that'd be the the best advice I could give is just stop for a moment, think about your passion, find your passion and be sure to follow your passion. What are your kind of three biggest takeaways? My three biggest takeaways are number one, muscle imbalance, learning about muscle imbalance, learning that um, here's the big, the big part of that. The takeaway is that the pain 
pain and injury happen. I wish I can say a hundred percent of the time, but that wouldn't be fair. Hmm. I'm going to say something like 99% of the time pain and injury happen on the side of the tonic muscle or on the side of strength. So a lot of times people, um, understand pain and injury as a weakness. Actually, the pain and the injury comes from muscle tightness or muscle shortness. So injury will happen. I'm talking about just muscularly, Mm. not breaking a bone, not breaking a bone or something like that. But injury will happen uh, from one of two things. One is what we call muscle spasms or knots. So that's when you, you know, a lot of people get that in their, in their upper back and shoulders, and that's the area of the trapezius. So the trapezius is a tonic muscle. Um, Another option for muscle pain or muscle injury is tearing, tearing the muscle. So the reason why the muscle tears is because it's so tight, so strong that it doesn't want to stretch. If you tried to stretch a phasic muscle, like I'm going to go back to biceps and triceps. If you try to stretch a tricep, well, that's not difficult. Anybody can stretch their tricep. Your your tricep is stretched right now. So stretching a phasic muscle, there's no problem. The problem comes when you stretch a tonic muscle. And if that tonic muscle is so tight or stiff or strong that it doesn't want to stretch. So you'll notice muscle patterns in the body. Um, One is, let's say, hamstring tears. Nobody ever says, oh, man, I tore my quad. No, dude, I tore my, I tore my hamstring or I have a, a, a hamstring pull. Um, so look at the patterns of pain and injury, not just in your body, in other people's body, athletes, um, yoga practitioners, um, just regular people who don't work out at all. The pain and the injury will, again, 99% of the time be in the strong muscle not the weak muscle. So that's, that's a huge takeaway. Um, another takeaway is that back pain stems from two different things. Um, well, many different things, but not just one different thing. Most people understand back pain as being a sitting problem, sitting too much, sitting at a desk. That is not all back pain. So learning about being APT or PPT or even laterally tilted pelvic pelvic tilts, um, or scoliosis, things like that, but not all back pain is the same. And then the example that I just gave about, um, Parsvottanasana or pyramid pose, that most instruction, especially in yoga, most instruction or understanding or conventional teaching about hip movement is not useful, maybe, maybe hurtful. Um, and, or just nothing at all, which means that you're doing a bunch of poses that there's, there's nothing happening. So how many poses do you do in yoga, especially if you've been practicing for a long time, that you do the pose, but you don't really feel anything? You're doing a forward bend, or you're doing Janushrasasana, or you're doing whatever it is, and you're like, mm, I don't feel this one, and you're just, it's just kind of a, a rest. Well, when you keep practicing, that's going to happen more and more and more. And that means that probably 50% of your practice, you don't know what the hell you're doing or what the hell you're supposed to be feeling. Well, take that amount of time. You know, if you're practicing 90 minutes, that's a good 45 minutes that you could be doing something useful. 
you're not. <laughs> so part of it is learning how to create efficiency, questioning authority, questioning conventional teaching and, and doing, seeing like how much juice you can squeeze out of the lemon. And if that means that you're doing an awesome practice in 45 minutes versus a practice that takes you two hours, but you're getting nothing out of, there's no return, then why bother? So that's another uh, big takeaway. And then, um, of course, the thing that I think a lot of people kind of got got started following me for was the strength, the shoulder movement, the shoulder positioning, the stability, things like that, and getting comfortable learning how to hold your body weight in your arms. Yeah, so I would kind of like break this up into like I see life as having a couple of different chapters. Chapter mm -hmm. one is uh, search, chapter two is build, and chapter three is kind of like rest and teach and like give back type of thing. And I find like people are often in a rush from chapter one into chapter two, uh, myself included. So in the build chapter, chapter two, you've got like build a family, build a business, build earnings and wealth. Uh, build a reputation as a really good business person or a really good whatever you're going to, whatever it is you're going to be doing. Um, all that sort of stuff, like build, build, build. Buy a house, whatever. Uh, chapter one is about search and explore. And so if you, if you kind of position them differently, you've got chapter two is like painting uh, a masterpiece. Like what are you going to do? What's your life work going to be? Uh, and chapter one is about finding the brush and finding the canvas. And is it going to be a pencil drawing? Is it going to be a sculpture? Is it going to be a painting drawing? Is it going to be impressionist? Or like all the different options that are available to you. Finding out which one suits you the best. Uh, and that, I mean, there's, there's such a range of things that that can be. That can be, is my life's work going to be in business and, and commercial? Or is it going to be in the social sector? And is it going to be in politics? Is it going to be in art? Like go and just find out everything about yourself. What is? What are your values? Like what is it that you want to do? Um, and the rain, it, it'll just sway so much. So the laughable but true um, story that I have is that I went from an investment bank caring primarily about money and prestige to realizing those things didn't actually mean that much to me. And then uh, for a while there, I wanted to be a priest. I wanted to be a Jesuit. And like it only lasted like two weeks, but I was literally open to it. I was like thinking, hang on, is this, should I go around the world like building schools? That would be class. That would be a really cool thing to do because that's what Jesuits in my eyes did. Um, and so you have to be open to whatever crosses your mind or whatever you think you might like. And I didn't go down the finance route in the end. I didn't go down the Jesuit route, the exact opposite way I probably ended up somewhere over here or maybe here where I, I do have a lot of social things going on at the same time um but just being open to whatever ideas come into your mind and I think it's unfortunate in Dublin maybe in particular I can speak to two worlds I can speak to Dublin or Sydney I can't really go beyond that uh but I, I think to be honest most worlds are similar no matter what city you're in there's a, a lot of cultural pressure to conform and to make sure you have a good job and you can tell people you have a good job and yada, 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 and making sure you're uh, ticking certain, certain boxes. Get outside of that. Get your head outside of that uh, warp for a while or, or that kind of bubble. Once you do, because that, that bubble will prevent things going into your head that actually belong there on a global level. And so if you can get out of that 
bubble, you'll start allowing those things to come into your head and really actually find where you should be. So I think that's a key thing. Tying this all back into your question, what should young people do? They should get out and search. So physically get out and search, maybe do a bit of travel, see where they like, see, meet different people from different paths and get outside that social bubble. But then within themselves, search as well. And go and do your banking and realize your crap, your crap at attention to detail, crap with analysis and maybe numbers or whatever it is, and that you, you really value a community-based culture in a company. There are four things I learned about myself in, in the bank straight away. And then I learned, hang on, I'm actually really good with the customers and uh, maybe whatever else, that was probably the main thing. And so they were some, there were five key things I learned about myself, like internally, straight away. Uh, when I went into that place and that really informed where I went with my career from there. So basically just get out. It's, I don't want to say this because it's a cliche, but get outside of a comfort zone or get outside of where you are. But with that in mind, so you can learn about how you react to certain things. And so you can uh, just kind of externally learn about what you like and what you don't like. Right. What's the definition of chasing passion? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. You know, I think that we have to take the time to look inside to figure out what the passion is. Um, I think it's, you know, with Wim Hof and these methods that I love using, when we get to be the kid again, then our passions come back. Because how many times as we, you know, when you're a kid, you ask somebody what they wanted to be, they said a fire truck, I don't know, whatever, but they believed they were going to be a fire truck, you know, and, you know, passion is something that it's, it's really snuffed out as we get older because like myself, you know, I come from a, a place of suffering, you know, and, you know, anxiety, depression, back injury, and yoga, you know, it helped me survive. Wim Hof healed my mind and my body. And when I'm able to trans like almost like now, like I'm teaching this stuff. This is my passion because it's helped me heal at extremely deep level. So to find that passion is to look inside, to really look inside. And, and you know, when you do the breathing and you do the ice bath and all that shit goes away, guess what happens to your creativity comes out. I have ideas and stuff that come out and I'm like, oh, wow, that's what I'm going to do now. And it's so profound and it changes my life for the better because I'm able to, you know, have a passion. And now with my purpose is to give that passion to everybody else. So for me, passion is waking up in the morning. I'll answer it now for you. Waking up in the morning and not hitting your alarm, waking up in your morning and going fucking a let's do this. Because I won the lottery again. That's finding passion. If we're hitting that snooze and we're dragging our asses around, it shows us that there's no passion. And a lot of people, mostly people, mostly everybody out there is living in a world that's changing them. And the world changes us through technology, through fearing what others think. When you're able to let that go and you're able to find a peace of mind and a happiness and you wake up and you have that and throughout the day you have energy you sleep good at night 
you've found your passion. Your passion's there. Even if you don't know what it is, it's going to come out because you're creating the atmosphere and the condition for that to be like the Wim Hof does. As I say, it creates a safety net. So I'm a kid again. So I'm in that childlike space, even still with the grown up world that I'm in running around and I'm in this childlike space to be able to feel again. And it's in those times when I was up there this morning and during my breath retentions on my third or fourth round, beautiful stuff's coming out because I'm in touch with the passion, I think. And that passion's given me, you know, a purpose to move forward in life. Like you said, if we don't get up and go, wow, I won the lottery again, you know, out of those, what, 1,000 or 700 trillion, you were the one picked. You get to go. The other ones, no, you don't get it. So I, I always love to look at it simplified and global now. It's like, well, wait a second. If you look at it that way, your passion should be just life, living life, man, and being happy. So I think this is, yeah, this is really common for people in their 20s. They, they don't know what they want to do, so they just do anything and then they get stuck. And my advice to them would be, you know, it's okay to not know what you want to do. I don't think you should know what you want to do so young. So just don't even worry about it. Like, who cares? Like, just go and travel a little bit. Like, you know, travel where you want to and do all these things whenever you're young and, you know, able and single too. Because before you know it, you'll, you know, be married with a family and you can't exactly just, you know, drop everything and go to a new country and live there for a bit. So I would say, you know, meet people, talk to people, you know, I've learned so much from, you know, I had certain, you know, um, views on things that I thought I'd never change. And through the people that I've met, you know, I've just opened my mind so much. And I think that's, that's so important. And it's so important, especially when you're in the, in your twenties, learning from other people. Um, and also there's like a saying or like a quote that I heard recently, that's, it was, um, you shouldn't need to, we shouldn't need to find ourselves. We should invent ourselves. And I quite like that. Yeah, no, I do. I definitely do. Because I ended up like, um, you know, I traveled like one year after when I graduated from Penn State University in December 2017. I moved four times in one year. Wow. I moved from Penn State to Auburn, Alabama, which I drove 18 hours to go down to Auburn, Alabama from Penn State. And then a couple months later, I moved up to Virginia Tech to follow a coach. And that was like a 12-hour drive. And then from Virginia Tech, I moved to Ireland. So, yeah, it was a little crazy that year. But there, I, I followed this guy named Sergio Lopez, amazing coach. But he's very good at, you know, visualization and the feel of the water. So we would, like, you know, go down underwater where you can't hear anything. Like, you can hear your own heartbeat. Mm. And you just close your eyes and just visualize yourself swimming. You know, and like, you know, we would do four laps, four twenty fives. Um, and, you know, we would just kind of build each lap. You know, we would go down, visualize, close our eyes. And then like, you know, we would get up and then we would push off the wall and close our eyes. And sometimes depending on what we're trying to achieve and just feel the stroke, like visualize the swim. And then each one we would do it again, go down in the water and then also visualize again and then push off the wall and then do it again. You know, like, so I know how many kicks it gets me to like 15 meters. And then I know how many strokes it gets me to like, you know, depending on what it is, um, two to 25 meters or something like that. 
so yeah, like visualization is very, very key, but it's also like, you know, it's part of the sport. You have to be the student of the sport. You need to know how many laps your arms you're taking or how many, like, like, you know, if you're really tired, I'm going to be taking 27 strokes for a 50 instead of 25 strokes, you know, like depending on like, and what stroke rate, you know, and what I'm trying to achieve. So yeah, you have to be, I do do visualization. I always try to like, you know, do some deep breathing, just kind of like meditate, get my mind right. Um, and then like right before I'm about to race, like right on the block, I take deep three deep breaths and like, you know, I just kind of repeat to myself, like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And just like, go and have fun. Like, that's the main thing about swim meets. You know, you just have to go out there. You got to have fun and you got to have like, you know, all, all the, like the better swimmers all have the competitive side. So like, that's going to come out regardless, but like you've done the hard work. This is the time for it to show. You just go out there have fun, give it everything you got and then see where you end up. Well, I, I would say in myself, investing in myself right from the beginning, you know, putting in the work, uh, having a, I think everything has to start with having a vision. You know, you have to have a goal and then you can, you can plan ahead and do what you need to do to get there. So I think the very first thing is having a, having the vision and having something to work towards and then investing, yeah, uh, the investing your time and energy and efforts, dedication, everything else in between, time into into your craft and just go for it. You know, I, I feel, you know, there's of course a lot of stuff that came up um, after Kobe's Kobe Bryant's death, and I very much relate to his mindset. You know, of course, I think a lot of a lot of athletes, a lot of people of let's say, you know, they're working on their crafts. They very much appreciated his work, his his approach, his this perspective is, you know, work as hard as you can because you only have a short period of time where you can do that. And again, that kind of brings me back to gratitude because, you know, you got to be grateful of being young and healthy enough to be able to do these things because, you you know, you might not have this tomorrow. So work as hard as you can today and go for it. And, you know, never look back and never doubt yourself. Just go for it. Just work. Just not leave. <clears throat> Leave no no stones unturned. Open up every possibility. Find everything, every little thing that you can. And and the amazing thing is, there's never, ne there's always more. There's always more to find. To find, there's always more uh, you can achieve. There's always more you can you can discover and, and grow into. So that's that's as fascinating as it is inspiring to me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie. That is chasingpassion.ie. If you're looking to support the podcast in any way, I would really appreciate if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcast, and this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcast in the episode description or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and it should pop right up. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much. And have a great day.